welcome listeners to the latest episode of Lost Lieutenant. I'm your host Nick and this, this evening I'm joined by a fellow host. Kevin. How are you Kevin? I'm good mate. Yeah I'm alright. It's a pleasure to be the fellow host on the show for a change. It's quite the quite quite nice actually that's right yeah we've uh we we were we did tr- aim to get started about half an hour ago but had some te- technical difficulties which means instead of kev doing the recording it is me doing the recording so it's not the end of the world we got there in the end but um Here it's now. uh yeah so tonight uh we are going to be discussing mainly after we have a bit of a catch-up we're going to be discussing the five mission lineup for the upcoming upcoming two-day uh, Infinity Tournament, uh, Novacore, which is going to be held in Maitland in New South Wales, hosted by uh, our uh, compatriot Gavin Bateman. So we're very much looking forward to that event. Um, but before we jump into that, we can have a bit of a bit of a catch up. How have you been, Kev? Um, mate, I have been pretty busy. I, my uh, Infinity, uh, outside of um, the games on the weekend that we'll discuss, has been pretty minimal. Um, a lot going on right now with uh, selling my house, uh, planning a overseas adventure for three months. That's uh, finally getting to the last few flights and accommodation bookings. And I'm off to WA for two weeks as of tomorrow to work in some mine sites. So it's a bit, there's a, there's a fair bit going on. Lots but going I'm on. Glad to, yeah, I'm glad to be able to sit down with you tonight and uh, you know discuss the discuss the upcoming event of Novacore because I'm very look, much looking forward to that. It's going to be good union with a lot of the infinity australia family um yeah i've got something to look forward to before i finally get on a plane and get the fuck out of this country for a few for a few months that's it i mean it's crazy that the last time we were able to have nova Corps was 2019 and it was well there was like 100 people maybe 120 i can't yeah. remember um it yeah. was I, I believe it was the largest infinity event in the world on to date at the time at the time, yeah, I'm not um, sure if it's been be- beaten. Um, I, I doubt it. Know. Over the past couple of years, I can't see who would have. No, yeah, <laughs> yeah, definitely not over the past couple of years. I think uh, I think they had Salt Lake Showdown. I think that was like 80, or maybe it was 60. They've, they've had they've hit somewhere close to that since lockdown ended. But yeah, this will be definitely the biggest one in Australia. Yeah, definitely. We've, so we've got 80 people uh, signed up and ready to go, and there's definitely a waiting list as well. So um, it will definitely be capped one way or the other. In terms Absolutely. of attendees, which is very exciting. Um, what what about what about you, Nick? You've been you've been busy. Mate, I've been up to all sorts of stuff. So like, <laughs> um, I've well, this is the second episode that will be airing on YouTube as well as uh, our regular um, podcast locations. But because I, I just sort of just jumped onto the YouTube uh, train. Uh, I did a collaboration last week with uh, with Rob Cantrell, Lab. who's uh, yeah, that's right, um, who, who who goes by Robert Shepherd on uh, on YouTube. You should definitely follow his YouTube channel. He does lots of battle reports, and um, when we have our challenges each month, he generally does a video um, video response to to as a submission for that as well, which is amazing. Uh, but there was a uh, there was a post on the uh, Infinity. A global community Facebook page, someone looking for a for a faction tier list, and um, mm. Rob jumped on and and sort of maybe maybe berated him maybe berated is too strong of a term, but kind of put him in his place a little bit to say that uh, in faction tier lists don't necessarily belong in Infinity because the game doesn't really work like that, as we all know. So then I 
uh, on that same thread, I kind of threw the gauntlet down and said, all right, Rob, well, why don't we just do it anyway? So uh, the, the, following, the following night, Rob and I sat down for two hours and ranked every single Infinity faction uh, against each other in uh, between from S tier to A, B, C, and D tier. Uh, so all 42 of them. Um, and that was really good fun. And we've, there's been an amazing response. I think it's gotten over uh, one and a half thousand views on YouTube already. Oh. Um, we posted the audio as a, like a special episode as well. Uh, not, a, not a full episode, just like a special cut. Uh, because it was uh, it was Rob doing all the work on his end, and I just uh, just tacked along. When you listen to the uh, the video or the audio as well, you will notice that it is Rob doing all of the work on his end. Because <laughs> of of the two hours, I reckon I maybe have fifteen minutes worth of uh, worth of talk time. Because uh, yeah, he did say his jaw was sore at the end of it, and it's no surprise that that episode garnered so much attention. I mean, if you put up a controversial video like you know Infinity Faction, the definitive tier list, someone's just gonna go. Ah, oh, French should be eight here. Like, there's always that'll always happen. People, you know, and you generate discussion. But I think, for the most part, I haven't checked the comments on YouTube, but on Facebook, it's been pretty, and on our LOL Discord, it's been pretty um, civil. Most people tend to kind of agree, but that's also because no real faction has been trashed, right? Every faction is kind of at least good. Yeah, and we sort of in the in the discussion we do, Rob. At the start of the video, Rob lays out how we're ranking and like what criteria we're looking at when when we make a decision on on where the the factions sit. Um, but yeah, in terms of the, the the comments and things like that, because you can expect to be kind of flamed for this type of thing. And overall, the the main response has sort of been that um, uh, I was dr- sort of people were dreading to to see what the result was of this type of list, but we did it right. So. It's been overwhelmingly positive, which is great. And uh, so you should definitely go check it out on, on YouTube. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think I think just my personal comment on it, like I think yeah, the 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 order specific order in each in each tier is you know, can be can be massaged and moved around. But I think the general A what what is an S, what's an A, what's in B, what's in C and what's in D is is pretty accurate. You know, you could argue that Starmata should be high B and you could argue that Assassin should be, you know, higher in the A's, but the fact is they're in a tier and that's probably the general overview. Individual metas and people and whatnot may vary. Yeah, definitely. But um So that's good. Yeah, so that's uh that's one thing that I've been up to. Uh also been getting loads of games in as well, which is great. Uh, I've been yeah. managed to. I won't be playing a game Wednesday night this week because it is my third wedding anniversary. So, oh, um, congratulations! Thank to you, you. you and your you and Kirsty. That's all right. Um, I didn't. Um, I actually did. Ha- I, she did give me the green light to, to go and play, but I've also come down with a head cold. So if I sound a bit stuffy, then uh, then then that's what's going on there. So um, two two reasons why I'm not going out on Wednesday night because I've got a cold and because it's my wedding anniversary. So. But yeah, I've been getting lo- yeah. I've been getting loads of games in. All of them have been uh, or- orientated around Nova Corp prep because that's the, the the big thing coming up. And even on on the weekend, we we had a um, a three round tournament as well at House of War. So did you want to have a quick chat about that? Yeah. First, have a quick chat about that because that might be the reason. Well, I thought initially before you said you had a head cold, that might be the reason why you're so wiped out because that was a tough. Oh well, day. look. 
I, I did have a, I'd started to get a little bit of a cough during the day at the event and obvi- the obvious jokes were made about that. Um, but I don't have uh, the Wuhan spicy, spicy lung. Spicy cough. Um, uh, it's just a regular head cold. Uh, but I'm sure like the amount of stress that I put my body on under at the event did not help my, uh, my immune system. So yeah, let's just, yeah, let's just say it from the top. Um, um, Missions for Novacore are fucked, and uh, thank you very much, Gavin, for putting us under all of that. Because uh, yeah, the Sunday. Well, it didn't also help that we also had the Australian Australian election on Saturday night, so there was a few people that might have been a little bit dusty from staying up till after midnight waiting for the results to come in. But, um, be that uh, you know that said, um, it was a tough three missions that we that we took. I, I had a good I had, I had a good day. I didn't have a like a great day <laughs> as far as like my results but i had a good i had fun i had a fun yeah time. i mean and it's all whenever you can get three games of infinity in in a single day it's always a great time um but i'm the same i have not performed that poorly in an organized event in since i can remember i can't i can yeah. not remember performing that badly um since sunday like the- sunday was it was definitely the uh, the day for the the newbies. We had um, we had a, a new player come out on top on the day. I think we had a couple of your players come really you know come really quite highly. Like Julian Julian got third, I got sixth, and you got seventeenth. Seven, seventeen, so, <laughs> lucky yeah. seventeen out of twenty. And you know a lot of the other like even Val. I think Val might have been fourth or fifth or something like that. So. Yeah, like fair play to the new new players. Like they they took that because um, it was uh, home center countermeasures and rescue, and those you know those are three tough missions um, for new players for any player to to devise a list for. Yeah, and, and of so, the five missions that we'll be playing at Novacore, those are the three trickiest ones, and that's why Pete picked them for that event was so that we could all have a go of playing what are the three trickiest missions. Um, what we probably didn't necessarily prepare for was how much of a strain that would be to play three really tricky missions one after the other. Yeah. So, yeah. Do you want to, do you want to talk quickly about how you, how you went and how you kind of, um, I mean, we'll obviously get into the missions when we get into the main segment of the show, but just on that day, do you have any highlights? Um, Low lights. Oh yeah, there's plenty of low lights. I mean, I had I had a a loss the first round and then two draws. Um, and um, oh hello, uh, hello, Corinna, how are you? Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, my partner's just coming in with some custard tarts. For oh, Dan amazing! For dessert, and then she's just left before even seeing. Hello, bye. Okay, she's gone. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I played Luke Henry first up, and I play Luke quite regularly because he lives not far from me so we do get a game in every now and then uh and he managed to like inch out the win and we went to lunch afterwards and we actually had a chat about it and um i could have actually if if yeah so basically what happened was uh my final turn in playing comm center my final turn i pushed like one button and he'd pushed three and um Mm. i needed to get three buttons to have more buttons pushed than him and uh so i ran an engineer with all my orders move move push a button fail the roll move move to the next one push the button fail the roll move move to the next one push the button fail the roll i kept moving because my one of my classifieds was uh sabotage 
So I had to put decharges on a building in his half of the table, which is why I moved all the way to the other side of the table uh, with the engineer. Right. Um, so what we did was, which we didn't realize the, the rule has changed since N3, but I mean, first round, we were already wiped out, was that uh, I'd spent one order to place the decharge and then I spent a second order ah. to detonate it. But actually... You don't have to spend the order to detonate it. It just automatically detonates in the resolution, which neither of us realized. So if I'd had one more order, I might have been able to push another button, which would have brought us to the same amount of buttons pushed. And then it would like it would have worked out a little bit differently. But um, you, you live and learn. That's why we're playing these games, so we can get all the rules straightened out and we don't have to think about them on the day. Uh, yeah, there's a lot, fair, fair bit of a, yeah, fair bit of that mental load on on those missions. Just you know, from not just like the win conditions, but also you know, classifieds and and everything, right? Yeah, that's it. Um, second up, I played Josh, uh, who was playing JSA uh, in countermeasures on your table, Kev, the one with the that you had the walls set up on. Oh, yeah, my little experimental table. Yeah, and it was it was it was tricky in that. Um, like, we ended up having a draw because we both got three classifieds each. But I, I felt like I was really dominating the whole time, but then it all just sort of, I don't know how, it just all just slipped away. So did, just, did, did, he, did, he, did he come up from behind and got, like, a couple of classifieds at the end? He, or that's, that's, that's right, yeah. So I got, yeah. One class, I got one classified turn one, one classified turn two, one classified turn three, whereas he came in and got, like, two one classified in turn two and then two classifieds in his final turn as well um so it, it was it was it was really on a knife ed, knife's edge and could have gone either way if he'd failed one of the rolls there wouldn't have been orders there for him to to part to roll another whip check for example um but uh it was a really it was a really tight game and it was we were both pretty stressed and uh, we did have a chat afterwards saying that next time we have a game we just have to have a bit more of a chill game would be nice because uh yeah was there anything about that table? Actually, are you, you're not. Are you able to fuck that table up on the on the stream? I think it's in the Patreon uh, chat. I don't know. I'm asking a lot from you. I know. No, that's okay. Just think, so our viewers think... can see the table and see. I mean, I might be able to give you some. I some. I know a brief of what I was trying to do with the table. It it um, it didn't quite work out. Okay, if I bring it up like that, the uh, it should be able to be captured. Okay, sure. So I've got it up on my screen here. Basically, we've got the I I deployed on on this this side that's closest to where my mouse is right now. Josh deployed on the other side. These wall sections are actually quite high, um, and because some of them are so close together, then if you've got someone up on one of these ledges or walkways that are attached to the walls, I, I deployed up on there thinking I'd be able to then see down into the sections below and beyond but because yeah. the walls are yeah. so high you, you can really don't you've really got quite a limited line of line of fire because it's almost like you're operating on two separate levels if anything comes up onto the other walkways on the other walls then you can see them but if you stay below the level of the walls then, then you're pretty much okay um I, I i've heard you talking kev that you intended it like the, a lot of these walls have like little windows through them and your intention was to just play those as true line of fire um, we had not done that and we, I guess we didn't really think about it. There was no notes, um, on the table given to us, uh, prior about how, like what the intention of that would have been. I'm sure that would have been, uh, would have made it a very different game. Um, 
and even from from the get go, from deployment, uh, if if I if we probably studied it a bit more as well and actually gotten down to the proper levels and checked the, the line of fire at the start, that would have helped. But um, again, you you, yeah. you live and learn with these sorts of things. And that's not something I really noticed either when I was setting up the table. I was you know, intending that yeah, the little ledges you could see a, a fair bit of the board, but I guess it does kind of cut off a lot of it because they're all the same height. Um, but yeah, the idea was those slits in the, in the in the walls would allow you to sort of see through the through to the midpoint, and then on the left hand side one, it would allow you to see sort of into the middle of the table as well. Um, it does. It might create a little bit of a Swiss cheese, but it's, there's not too many windows that go through to other windows. Or you can always play. I think what Luke did in round three was, or he played uh, like kind of murky windows. Like you couldn't see through more than one set of windows. If there was okay. a point in which you could line up multiple windows, then you could only see through one set. Yep. Just just avoid that. Like haha, gotcha moment. Like from corner to corner. And then the idea of the big, tall, brutal cities buildings was kind of taken from Ryan from Brutal Cities, he built a table that's similar to this. Um, and it, I just kind of like the aesthetic of having like the forests um, and then these buildings kind of in the forest, these, uh, not not forest, but like in the, I don't know, urban parkland area. Um, and yeah, I think it, I think it looks, I think it looks nice. I think it needs a little bit more of, um, of working with how to put the walls down that they it makes it play in a in the manner that I wanted it to play. Yeah. And like this uh right flank of the deployment zone on this side it's that's a bit of it's kind of tough. Um Oh yeah, well, in what well, what way? In in the uh, I don't know, maybe it's just the way that that I look at things. Like anything that's a hill, I just tend to avoid because I don't like putting my models on things that are slanted. Um Sure. I did have something up there, but um like the the, yeah, I don't know. It just it just felt like like half of this deployment zone was was great in this half, but then the other half just kind of had <laughs> yeah. So the the half of the deployment it. zone that's that's got your um your typical you know angular buildings is fine, but anything with like kind of weird curvy edges, which I get, I get like that hill is is a, is off a funny angle where you can't really put anything behind it because anything coming down the flank might see it. Um, you can only you could. You could probably fit a, a fire team on there, but um, yeah, I think I could probably move that wall that that's kind of in the middle and bring it more towards the DZ to kind of cut off anything from getting a flanking shot on that hill. That would probably clean that one up. Um, whereas the hill on the other side's got a ruin on it, and that makes it a bit easier to hide stuff behind. Um, but yeah, I mean yeah. That, that was the first one. The first time I you know tried making it, I think I need to take it back and and play with it a bit more. Yeah, so because uh, those walls those walls are from Brutal Cities, and I actually got them from Ryan to test out. So oh cool. I figured I I actually want to throw them on the table and try and get some use out of them, more than just a bug hunt style table. I wanted to try to like if you go onto his website or his Facebook Brutal Cities Facebook, he's made some really good use of those walls. So I was just trying to replicate that with what I had. So anyone, anyone out there watching the stream or listening, just check out Ryan uh, or check out Brutal Cities, and um, yeah, he's got some really cool stuff there for terrain. Oh no, Nick has his his sound is gone. Okay, so I think we're back. Sorry about that, um, listeners. We had some minor technical issues, which uh, looks like we fixed up. But uh, yeah, so that was. Round one and round two. Round three for me was against Dante, who was a newer, a pretty new player, um, and still managed to end up as a draw playing Rescue because that's a 
tough, tough mission. And uh, it turns out I actually cheated as well because I ended up, he got one um, civilian back to his deployment zone and then uh, I ran a flash pulse bot up to grab one of my civilians and got him all the way back. And it wasn't until today that I actually read the rules that says remotes can't pick up civilians. So um, again, it's a good thing that we're making all these learnings two weeks before the actual event, right? Absolutely. Yeah, that's why we're here tonight, folks, to give you the lowdown on these missions so that you do not make the same mistakes as Nick did. Yeah. Um, but, <laughs> I uh, made no mistakes. What, what, about, what about you, Kev? How, was, uh, how did you find the day? Uh, yeah, it was it was good. Look, I've uh, been really struggling with list building for this event. Um, I'm running, I'm going to be running Shaz Vasti, and I know people will be like, "Oh, Shaz Vasti, so easy for this one. They've got so many do stuff and things." Um, no, it's really hard. I'm really really finding it difficult. So I built a list on Saturday night during the election, and just like, "Fuck it, that'll do." Actually, got to. Um, actually, got to yeah, like Sunday morning. I was like deploying my models, going, "Wait." Is this the right list? I don't even remember which list I submitted. So um, it was a bit chaotic from that point of view. I wasn't quite happy with any of my lists, but we, we ran them into it, into it anyway. And uh, yeah, round one was against David, uh, a local from uh, the west of Melbourne. We've had quite a few games together in the past and they usually go like one of two way, you know, either I win or he wins. So it's, it's you know, we've had a big, good fair bit of back and forth. I think our last game, he won, he was playing combined army and we were playing uh home center um i got up 10-5 on that one uh very luckily actually i uh, in the end i was able to i think i had sheskin i killed sheskin on turn one but he had a caliban chain of command which on turn three i think he brought out to push a couple of buttons and i was able to get into position and um shoot his caliban with my sphinx and um, put him into loss of lieutenant on the third turn which prevented him from um basically pushing any buttons because I think I went first um, and it was, I think I ended up having five buttons to his two or three. But yeah, really, yeah, really tight game, really good game. Um, that that felt good. Um, I feel, I generally feel quite good when I run a Sphinx. I know they're not always, they're, they're not, um, I don't know, they're not the best tag because they don't do what tags do, which is like stand from back, stand back and shoot stuff. Um and they they have they have limitations, but I find when I run a Sphinx, I I just um, kind of scare like people. I don't know if I scare people, but I think just the shock value of a Sphinx has a lot of value, even in a mission that maybe requires a lot of specialists like Com Center. Um, but we'll get into that. Uh, round two was against the eventual winner of the event, Stefan, um, who has been coming to House of War in Ringwood for a few months now and has been learning off of uh, myself and Peter. He also picked up Shaz Vasti. So that was that was fun. It was a Shaz Vasti off, and uh, it was on the table that you built, Nicholas. Uh, so <laughs> I've got a few things to say about that table. So I'll bring up I'll bring um, up the, the the picture of this table because please bring up this table. Um, now caveat: this table was built by Nick deliberately to be what would you call well, anti Melbourne meta? That's right. So um, if you look at any photos from any events in Melbourne, you see some of the most gorgeous tables you've ever seen. Um, the other thing about the tables uh, is that a lot of them do have quite a bit of terrain on them. So when I decided I wanted to put a table together using mostly the CB, uh, well, actually it's 100%, except for the, the vehicles, 100% uh, CB terrain from their, uh, from their operation boxes, uh, I decided I was going to make a table that does not have too much terrain on it. It has 
quite a little bit less than what you would call too much terrain. So, um, and it got fairly negative responses, I, I, would, I would say. <laughs> I've played on this table three times before the event, and I have not had any issues with it. I think the biggest the biggest problem that I did when setting this one up, which is, which is an issue that some people did face, was that the tower was too close to the deployment zone. Usually when I deployed it, that tower was almost in the center of the table, um, which I think is a, is a better spot for it. In saying that... Um, it's a very open table. I, it's it's um I need to put make some kind of Gotham City reference when I come up with a name because this this table is the it's the table that that it's not the table that Melbourne deserves. It's the table that Melbourne deserves, but not the one that it needs right not now. Not the one that it needs. Might be the one it needs. It is the one, one it deserves. needs. It's the table that that mm. Melbourne that Melbourne needs, but not the one that it deserves. Yeah, um, I, I didn't. Yeah. I mean, yeah, the, the the tower aside, the tower was a problem because my opponent deployed a Malignal Sniper on there and it just... Um, and the thing is, I had tools to take it out. I had a Caliban Sniper, but a Caliban uh, Spitfire, which, you know, would have been four dice on nines versus um, Malignal's is one dice on a nine. Even better if I got into 16 inches, which you can do on the table because on ground floor, it's 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 fine. It's not too bad. There's enough um, corridors and ways to move around. The the problem I had with the table is you cannot use any of those rooftops without just being fucking shot at from every single conceivable angle, um, which was what I discovered when I tried to actually move up on any of the rooftops. Um, so you had, I'm not sure which picture you're showing on um, for YouTube, but if you can envisage that um, I was deployed on the side closest to the bus and um, he had a link team uh, I think in the middle building Lignos on the sniper tower and he moved over to the uh, one of the buildings the, one of the larger buildings in his deployment zone and he even though he only had I think it was the defensive turret because it's countermeasures plus three Nox troopers just kind of standing up once and once I and I'd already got into the middle of the table with my Calibans and my Shrouded and my Malignos. As soon as I tried to take any of those um, rooftops, which I wanted to do because I wanted to try and access um, the Malignos and also be able to use the rooftops to go prone and start doing classifieds. As soon as I stood up, I was taking shots from all the Nox troopers, defensive turret. And the malignos, and there's nothing I could have done about it. Um, now, there's ways I could have um, mitigated it by staying on the ground level. But that's also the problem with the table: is you're effectively just giving up any high ground, um, which which just means that you just you're forced to stay on the ground, which is fine. Which is like it's you can argue like, oh well, you just don't use the rooftops. But I'm like, well, then that kind of takes makes the table very flat. You're basically playing on a single dimension yep. unless you have a really dominant piece that can use those buildings. Now, if you can imagine a tag on top of that, it's an opponent that maybe didn't have, um, that was trying to hide, tag would also have a field day because it could just get on top of those buildings and just rampage around um, seeing everything except anything that was hiding behind the bus. But the problem with the bus is it's a big, long thing. So once you get to either side of the bus, you see whatever is behind it, hiding behind it. So, you know, like people can say, yeah, they think this table looks fine. It doesn't actually look that open. This is just like how Melbourne needs to learn how to play. I say, well, look closer and, um, you know, just uh, like see that you 
cannot use any of these rooftops without being seen all the way across the board. Like you can draw a line from one DC to the other and it's completely unimpeded if you're on any of those rooftops. Yeah, and I I, I get that, but I'm I'm not changing the table. Sure. Okay, that's fine. That's fine. I'll just uh, have to play differently. Um, Hoppy in the chat says he thought this table was perfectly okay. Um, he has quite a few lanes, but also ways around it. Can see the issue with the tower, but it gives benefit if you have an infiltrating sniper, which is not always given. Yeah. Well, that's that's fair enough, and that's like I said, I, I agree. There are lanes you can go around them. But you're basically just denying anyone use of the rooftops unless they want to go, unless they want to just move prone the entire time. Um, so, so that was that. Uh, so I went down 5-2, I think, to that one. Um, it was just very difficult to get classifieds. It's my, it's my fault. I made some some tactical errors, but there was even just the ability to get to any of the HVTs was also very difficult because they were also all within line of fire of that sniper. Um, and then uh, round three was against um, Sergey, one of the locals. Toha, which is good because I haven't played against Toha in quite some time, so it's good to good to try and um, figure out that. I ran the uh, Sphinx against that list as well, um, in part because I thought I'd try it for rescue, even though I didn't think it was the best list. What's really good is the Sphinx is immune to Toha farts, so I was able to you know utilize the um, Sphinx aggressively without worrying without worrying about about being end end gamed or erasered. So that was that was good. And that ended I think 2-0. I think I only ended up getting my classified in one civilian. He ended up getting none. But that was a very tight game as well. He played really well and ran some chaxes deep into my DZ on turn one that I had to use all my tigers to get rid of them. Now I'll just um, I'll just stop you there for a second, Kev. I do have to apologize because I just blew my nose and I pull, I muted myself on the Discord, but I didn't mute myself in OBS. So <laughs> I've just chucked in in the middle of your uh, in the in in the recording. You wouldn't you wouldn't have heard it on the live show, but in the recording and on YouTube, you'll get a great big wall of me blowing my nose. So I do apologize. For that. <laughs> that was like uh, that was like the one you did with I think uh, with Rob, or was it the one I was not on before that, where I think you had a big old cough. <laughs> and oh. I was like, blew my ears out. Um, so stop being sick. Sorry about um, that. Yeah. Sorry, uh, so go that, on. Was, that was it. Oh, that was that was all really. It was a good. I mean, I had three good games. Um, it was interesting to play on that table that you built, Nick. Um, it was just a lot of uh, a lot of head space was taken up by missions between just how they're scored, you know, and, and things like countermeasures. Uh, actually, to be honest, countermeasures is probably the easiest one to do. Um, I found rescue quite challenging. That push and pull of like, I want to be able to get these 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 civilians, but you've got to basically go all the way into your opponent's side and be able to pull them back out again. It's quite um, quite quite challenging, quite yeah. challenging mission. Yeah, and we'll, I mean, obviously, we'll we'll go deeper in the missions um, later on. But before we move into that, we could probably uh, just do a quick recap on the current challenges that we've got in place at the moment through uh, through the current quarter and current month. So uh, the May challenge is uh, using fire teams, which we've been running for the previous month as well, just to uh, uh, just get people trying new things out with the new fire team rules changes. Uh, anything that you're that you think you've you've you found something that works really well or something that you used to use is now terrible, just write up your thoughts and uh, send it through to Lost Lieutenant at gmail.com 
and uh, and you'll go in the draw to win a uh, a blister of your choice. And uh, then we've had, we've had uh, just want to say we we have had um, several new entries this this month. So thanks to everybody. I think maybe we just a uh, few of us just needed a few more weeks to get our head around the fire team changes because get a few more games in, in as well potentially. Yeah. Yeah, just to let it all settle and us to figure them out. So yeah, thanks to everyone who's who's uh, entered this month. They've got about oh, what a week left before the end of the month. That's right. So about a week to go. Uh, so if you've got uh, any more entries, send them on through. Uh, and the other thing is our current Q3 uh, challenge, which is sign up to our Patreon. Uh, so it's usually a hobby challenge, but uh, the hobby this month is to uh, send three dollars to your favourite podcast, uh, Lost Lieutenant. Uh, join the Chain of Command if program on on uh, <laughs> Patreon.com/slash Lost Lieutenant, and uh, all the details are there. It means uh, you also get exclusive features like our uh, exclusive. Uh, secret discord channel with all our uh, patrons in it and you can also listen into the live shows as well um, so we've got a few people in the audience at the moment which are uh, our, our lovely supporters and we do uh, we do appreciate them and uh, they we also sort of hit them up for feedback and and, and q a and that sort of stuff as well so if uh, if you appreciate uh, our podcast then uh, then jump on I'll always always like to hear more from our our listeners and give them uh, get you know get them to give us some honest feedback as well, which is which is valuable. Uh, cool. Did you want to run through this event announcement you've got here, Kev? Ah, yeah. So we were reminded about this on Sunday that uh, Val and the guys over at Geelong Infinity are running an event this Sunday at uh at Throw the Dice in Geelong. It's their monthly monthly event. It's Sunday, the 29th of May, $20 entry, and it is Panic Room, Decapitation, and Supremacy. And the event is called Codename Moonraker. And uh, it's a kind of a moving on from their um, new player monthlies that they've been doing. So before this, they've been running with no ITS extras and no loss of lieutenant. And then they've uh, they've added in slowly the ITS extras, and now they've, this is the first one they're running that, has, that contains... Um, so lieutenant um that's us um but we, i don't know if we'll be there or not i i know i won't be unfortunately um but the, his uh, the last event that he ran was the first one that they ran with um, a bracketing system so rather than like the swiss system you know, where you get paired up on your scores what they are doing here is for the first two rounds they will just match new players with new players and veterans with veterans and um so the, what that does is it just kind of stops a new player from just getting stomped and also a veteran who's maybe coming down to you know test out a list isn't just seeing a new player and has to take their foot off the gas um, and then in round three they kind of just take the you know the best from each bracket and they face them off against each other so you know even if you are a new player and you do well in the day you will still get to face a, a veteran where you can kind of test your metal and you're not just you know playing in the kiddie pool um, and then likewise with veterans they're not just playing like people they play weekly anyway they're going to the into Geelong and getting potentially to play somebody they've never they've, they've never played before. So that's really good. Um, just did, did want to mention something that Val and Chris have put up here. So he said, um, continuing on from the success of the last event, Val and Chris will be using the bracketing system again to keep pairings fair and give both new and veteran players a good game. Um, so what he said here is, we would like to introduce a system in which your opponents can provide you. So this is kind of interesting as well. Um, in previous events, they have been doing a feedback form, like a Google Sheet, which will allow you to put in what you thought of the event, what you think could be improved, 
uh, and, and any other feedback that they could get so they can build a strong community. So I like this idea that they've got here, which is um, your opponents can provide you some constructive feedback anonymously after the event about the way you play and room you might have to improve. This will be done in a similar way to their previous feedback form, where you will be able to tick a selection of prefilled boxes, highlighting common hobby full paths. The intention behind this move is to help each other improve on the way we play the game and give you all a chance to shape your community. We want you to we want to be very clear. This is not in response to any systematic problems or individuals, and, and that they are honestly blessed with you know good good players. However, to think her shit doesn't smell and we are perfect would be naive. Furthermore, this is a way of doing feedback diffuses our authorities within the community, yada, yada, yada. So basically they're just saying, you know, sometimes when you're playing a new player, and they've, you know, they've maybe lost a game, you want to give them feedback there and then on the spot, but sometimes, you know, maybe the person's a little bit sore from losing. They don't want to hear what they could have done better. Um, maybe being able to type it out later on and send it to them anonymously might, might, um, that uh, criticism or that uh, feedback um, taken more that's less uh, that's that's really it. interesting. Um, I w I'm interested to see how it goes. Um, personally, I don't know. I don't know. It's not something that's ever really come up before. Um, because it, like the the our community's always been pretty solid and everyone's like pretty comfortable with with each other. And if someone's doing something wrong, you'll kind of get called out on it. But to be able to have this vehicle for uh, for newer players to be able to do that same sort of thing anonymously when they might not feel comfortable doing it publicly, I think it's great. Yeah, and it's like it's good for even you, you and I as well. You know, maybe, maybe, um, maybe it doesn't have to be new players. It can be veterans. You know, like, and I know on the on the weekend, um, I I was a, I felt a little bit pushed for time in one of the rounds, and you know, I I don't want to you know I don't want to take that out on any any players I'm playing. I I want to obviously make sure that everyone's having good time and they don't they're not feeling additional pressure because maybe i'm feeling pressure but you know if someone were to have said to me after the event or you know you know or in a feedback form and say you know hey kev maybe you know just you know push me so hard next time for for making decisions i'd be like oh fuck i'm doing that right well thank you for letting me know because you know maybe they don't want to say it immediately after um and so this sort of stuff is good it doesn't always have to be you know bad stuff it can be like you played really well maybe consider but maybe consider taking this profile instead of this pro it can be anything really it's just um any way to help people improve their game without being um i don't know conf confrontational sure i think it's i think it's great good right. and you're you know using using all the tools that we have at hand to make our community better yeah and so that event's coming up on the this coming sunday the 29th of uh of may down in down in geelong so I haven't made it to one of the Geelong events yet, but hopefully one day. So. Great. It's really good. It's really a great store. Like it's a little bit on the small side, but you can get like, um, still get like six or so tables there. And uh, Richard's is, uh, is a fantastic uh, store owner and uh, really excited and enthusiastic about Infinity. Uh, throw, throw the dice, yeah? Throw the dice, yeah. Cool. So um, we'll just touch on a few little bits of news uh before we jump into our main section there so we've got a little i mean we're getting these every two weeks we get a a war crow teaser video with a little bit of thank you <laughs> a little bit of a little bit of info um so we've seen some images of uh the uh, the um what are they called the, the, uh, they're they're called the the marked or this this I can't actually remember. Oh fuck, I forgot about that name down. No, the, the picture. The so, scions of something. 
It's on the Warcraft thing a, somewhere. Uh, they are called. Do you want to help us out? Yeah, the Valdeboth. Valde Valdeboth. Valdeboth. Val. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So. Okay. Beautiful. Cool. Um, interesting. It's it's a bit different. I think it's like hmm. um, yeah. c compared to the like the pictures we've gotten of the dwarf character. It's all smooth lines and, and curves and, and and angles and that sort of thing. This is all flesh stuff. That's what I thought. Um, and so to have those two models side by side in the same game is quite um, quite interesting because I feel like when you look at the infinity range, there's everything kind of really fits together in that there's not a huge amount of variety at all. You can, you can put two models from completely different factions next to each other and understand that these two things live and exist in the same world. Um, yeah, I mean, there, there's obviously the extremes, you know, you've got Toha and you've got, or even you've got like bears and then you've got combined army. I think even if you were to look, look at the artwork, you can sort of see, oh yeah, there's like a, there's a, I don't know, a direction here. Yep. These look like, one looks like, one looks like it's from Dark Souls and the other one looks like it's from um, that game, what everyone plays Mo on. Minecraft. Oh, Minecraft. Minecraft, yeah, it could be. <laughs> so I think it's, they're, they're quite different. Not that I think it's a bad thing. I just think it was kind of interesting. League of Legends, yeah. is that what you meant? League of Legends, that's the one I'm thinking of. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so, um, it, like, and again, I'm, like, I'm not committing to the game. I mean, it's the, we don't get any more, like, we nothing really happens until November when the the Kickstarter launches. So, um, it's still a long way out. So, we've got another six months before anyone's going to have to be reaching for their wallets. But, uh, so, I'm just sort of waiting it out, personally. Yeah, I, kinda, I, I like the latest video where um, they go into a bit more detail about how they use the actions in the game. Maybe this is actually kind of related related to Defiance, but I haven't never played it. But I kind of like the um, where they're going, where you you um, you, know, you generate so much energy, like kind of you how you do in Aristea. So you see, you get four energy. You can use that to move, and you can use that to to do actions with. And then you basically, however many more dice, however many, however much energy you put into an action, gets you additional triggers and you know bonuses. Sure. Um, which kind of, which I quite like, because it's not just like, hey, you're doing an attack, but it's like, hey, you're doing an attack that's like extra, you know, additional charge, you know, if you want it to do a certain thing. Yeah, I, the the thing is, like, all that information is about the uh, Warcrow Adventures, right? Which is the which is the dungeon crawler, and uh, Defiance is a dungeon crawler, so it makes sense that those two games are going to play very similarly because they are they can effectively be the same game except one's sci-fi, one's fantasy. Um, what I'm more interested in, which we're not going to get information on for probably another year, is mm. the actual uh, skirmish war game and what that looks like. So, yeah, yeah, I think that's what we're all holding out for. Um, and how how much information you can take from one game and port it over to the other, I don't know. But um, yeah, I like what I've seen so far. Yeah, that's all I can say. Um, and then Infinity, we've got uh, some minis on Last Chance, indicating updated sculpts for Aleph and Hak Islam, which makes sense because we know that Aleph and Hak Islam are the next two-player starter pack coming yeah, out. The sky is always falling when this happens. Um, someone's like, oh my god, they're... Um, the... Steel Phalanx has been discontinued. <laughs> yeah, you're like, did you know they're getting an update? Did you know this is happening? No? Okay. Um, but then there would be stuff that's not related to ALF or, or Hackers Lamb that are getting um, 
they're on last chance as well. I think there's some Ariadna stuff. Uh, there's some actually some interesting stuff on any two that's on last chance, which is is that is interesting. Um, it's just a shame that some people immediately jump to, oh my god, it's being discontinued, and you're like, well, or it's being reboxed. Uh, and let's just assume that the latter is probably more likely. Yeah, because they have been uh, doing quite a lot of that lately with their um, like the alpha and beta packs that come out for yeah, code one, for, where they. For, for... Mm-hmm. Where they re- where they one. where they repack a whole bunch of stuff and a, a, a reduction of SKUs has been something that they've been trying to work through for the past three years. So well, the NA two stuff though, that's kind of interesting because there's no NA two in Code One. So what are they doing? And like the speculation has been, well, maybe the like the NA two um, mercenaries. So like it's like Senior Massacre, Valera, Esforza, uh, a few others. I can't remember now. Me, that sounds like maybe they're just, they're just going to be put into some kind of box set, like an NA2 box set or a Mercenaries box set or something like that, where yep. you can buy all those like named characters as one box, which some people might cry and go, oh, no, I want the single SKU. But then it goes back to the thing of they're trying to reduce SKUs, so you might just have to buy four to get the one you want. It's just the way that things are going. Yeah. And then the other point we've got here is that uh, the, uh, the old bull track or the new bull track has... Uh, is actually been clarified that it is not size six; is it is in fact size seven. Uh, blew my mind. I think Robert Cantrell was was the first to draw our attention to that because um, I just assumed it was always S seven. Then I, I had I had I had as well, yeah. Yeah, but if you if you went into Army about a week ago, two weeks ago, whenever it was, it was actually S six on the profile. Which, was like, oh, wow, really? That would be cool if it was S6, but then it's gone, oh, no, sorry, it was always S7. Uh, <laughs> because if it was S6, it would have been kind of cool because it, it would have differentiated that, that makes it, it the right choice. Exactly. That, that makes it more yeah. unique. And and having where I've been using an, a size 6 tag quite a bit recently, I can mm. I can definitely say that this size 6 compared to size 7 is a big deal. So, Absolutely. Yeah, But, I mean, like looking at them all, I think they released them... Um, um, the metal miniature, the bull track. So it was on someone's Facebook or it was on the Discord, um, and you can clearly see it's definitely not an S6 model because it's on a 55 millimeter base. Sure. Um, so it was that was just a typo, but that's uh, we're not we're not we're not like it's not like we're not used to seeing those errors from CB. <laughs> Unfortunately, um, we do get uh, the odd error every now and then, but it's fine. It's, it's but the, I mean, I the mean, fact that the fact that it, we're in the environment of a living rulebook and uh, army takes precedence over everything means that they can just fix it pretty easily without having to do any sorts of reprints or errata or that type of stuff. So, yeah, I'm 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 happier to have uh, the wrong number typed into the computer program uh, to be fixed than to have a million copies of a book needing a reprint. I agree. Cool. Well, uh, did you want to take a little break, Kev, before we get into the main section, or how are you feeling? Yeah, I've got one more custard tart here that needs to be eaten, so I'm going to do that. All right. And then uh, <laughs> I don't want to do that on the mic because that'll be like nom 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 nom. Okay, we'll have a, we'll have a quick pause here, and we'll uh, we'll jump straight back in in a moment. Okay. Okay. Welcome back. Uh, listeners, we are back again, to, ready to jump into the main section of the, this evening's episode, which is the five mission lineup for Novacore. So Novacore two. That's it. Contronic Boogaloo. Contronic Boogaloo. 
So what are we, uh, how are we doing this, Kev? What are you thinking? Well, I figure that we'll run through, um, you know, we'll, we'll announce what the five missions are in the, in the, in the order. Uh, we'll give our initial thoughts on what we think of the five missions, the choice that Gavin made, maybe we'll, how we, what we think he might have you know, been thinking, uh, and what we think of that mission lineup. Um, and then we'll go through each of the missions, we'll break them down, how to win them, uh, the extras, the bonuses, the challenges, anything that you know, might be a bit of a, a curly for players that might forget. And then once we've sort of um, you know, gone over each of the mission, we'll then talk about how we would build two lists going into this five mission event and um and talk about how how we'd split them up uh, the the lists and and how we'd split up the lists and and things like that yeah cool so starting off then the five missions that we're going to be reviewing are round one countermeasures round two supplies round three supremacy round four rescue round five com center uh, which and com center is a season 10 mission hasn't been around since then that's right so uh initial thoughts kev what are you what are you thinking in these five said it before i fucking hate it (laughs) (laughs) i hate oh i hate oh i hate it i hate it so much like i mean being i'm being hyperbolic but like i know i can see what gav's done in this mission lineup it's gone what are the five missions require the least amount of guns and the most amount of like thinky thinky exactly um and he's and he's done it very deliberately to try to deter from this what he has been i mean i'm not going to speak for him but what i believe he's been learned about since n4 dropped which is the presence of the alpha strike and the presence of like aggressive unwhole shooting things you know shoot things first and then do the mission later i think this is an attempt at five missions that not stop you from doing that but they make it difficult yeah so there, there there is a few sort of commonalities between them as well they all can end in retreat there's three of these missions have um exclusion zones uh all of them require some sort of specialists presence except rescue kind of because you can get the people without you don't need to be a special specialist right. to get them you don't need to be a specialist for rescue no for rescue but there's still um a classified objective but anyway um i agree they are it's like they're real it's real big brain um real big brain mission list here it's like if if you wanted a list of five missions that you could accomplish without really needing to kill your opponent at all this is this is the list yeah i i i agree i think on 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 that as well all five of these missions really um, require mobility. Like none of these five missions you can really do safely by just sitting in your DZ and shooting at your opponent. You need to be out. You need to be out in the midfield. You need to be pushing buttons. You need to be grabbing things, supply boxes or HVTs. Um, you you will not win these missions if you have a castle and shoot things, and you will not well, you will not win these missions if you try to annihilate your opponent because um, a lot of the times those missions can still be done without having to kill your opponent. That's right. Um, so, so, I mean, yeah, so I, I like it, but I find it very challenging building two lists that I I've, enjoy I've, Yeah, I've had the hardest time coming up with lists because, and like we can go into this when we talk about the lists that we are going to be bringing, but I'm playing White Banner and so often I have at least two or three things that I'm deploying in the midfield. And 
when three of your missions have got occlusion zones, that makes that very difficult. Um, Absolutely, yeah. That that um, re- reduces their their value their valuableness their value. Um, infiltration I, becomes less valuable. And I, I did I, I did tell Gav that because of that, I am having to look at and experiment with units I've never even considered taking before, and that was the he was he was pleased with that response. Um, that's, yeah, so no, that's that's a good takeaway. I can kind of appreciate that, but uh, I still hate it. <laughs> Yeah, 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 exactly. How, how yeah. dare you make me move out of my comfort zone? How how dare you? I, yeah, I think that there's a lot of people who are going to be feeling the same way as us, hopefully. Cool. Um, so do we want to get into it? Yeah, let's it? jump straight in. Well, I've got uh, I've got countermeasures up on the screen here on uh, on my end. So uh, we'll just run through the, the main objective for countermeasures so that at the end of the game have accomplished more current mission objectives than the adversary, two objective points. At the end of the game, have accomplished the same number of current mission objectives as the adversary, one objective point, but only if at least one has been achieved. And then accomplish current mission objective, uh, one objective uh, each, up to a maximum of eight. So um, for those of you who haven't played countermeasures, it's got it like a game within a game mechanic happening where you have one classified deck between you and you draw three cards at the start and then at the start of each turn you can burn one of those cards and then when you achieve one you you take that card and you keep it and that's one that you've achieved so to get 10 points in this mission you need to have achieved eight at least eight objectives from the classified deck that show up and that eight has to be more than the number that your opponent has achieved Yeah, that's the only. There's all there's and there's three H. The other thing is there's three HVTs on the table, and when you achieve an objective, uh, when you achieve a classified uh, objective against one of those HVTs, that HVT is removed from the table. So, um, which is which is important because um, it means you can't just spam everything on the one on the one dude sort of thing. Yeah, Yeah. and I guess it also means you can only accomplish three HVT classifieds in any one. Game, but I think there's only six HVT classifieds, so that's an interesting point. Well, yeah, it means that if well, if there's six HVT HVT classifieds, you've got three HVTs on the ground. I've got three HVTs on the ground, so they can all be achieved, but not by the same person. Yeah, that's that's true. Yeah, <clears throat> that's very true. Um, so other things to bear in mind for this one as well are uh, some extras. We have um, we have exclusion zones in this mission. Uh, we have blizzards. In this mission, so two blizzards each get put down before deploying, but after choosing sites, and the uh, the F-13 turret as well is also in play in this mission as well, which is your little uh, uh, TR combi rifle that you put in the deployment zone, and it just shoots whatever it can see. Yeah, which is kind of which is which is um which is interesting, which is good that they put in this one. Um, it means you can you know defend your HVTs with it a little bit. That's right, and it's um. Ballistic skill 10 as well, so it's not amazing, but who doesn't want a free little TR machine? 360 fires yeah. as well. I, I couldn't kill it in my turn. Really? I shot it I shot it like three times, and my opponent just kept rolling 15s and 16s for his armor save. I was like, well, that's fine. I'll just uh, I'll just, just ignore it, and I'll go and get the, the HVT, and my opponent will then roll like, you know, a f- four and a five to hit. I'm like, 
right, cool. I guess I'm dead. That'll, that'll, <laughs> that'll do it. <laughs> I'm like, all right, fair enough. Um, yeah, so in this in this mission, um, you know, you, you need three classifieds minimum to get a major win. So when I say major, we're talking about like getting five points or more. So like, sure. So, so obviously, you need to get three, and your opponent needs to get less than three in order to get. Because um, then you'll major. have you'll have so, three for one each of the ones you've achieved, and then two for having more than your opponent to get yeah, to that. So five. something to bear in mind if you're if you're wanting that five that five points for the win, um, you need to get those five OP, and that'll um, that's that's your you know the easiest way of doing it or not the easiest way of doing it it's the minimum way of doing it um and some other things to bear in mind i guess for this mission um just thinking about it from sunday are um having a list that can do a variety of classifieds that's it and often when when you've got a when you've got a, a mission lineup often uh countermeasures or highly classified are the ones where you are writing a list specific for that mission because it does so heavily rely on the classified deck that is not necessarily something that you will be putting a lot of thought into otherwise. But where the entirety of the mission is based around uh, scoring classifieds, it's uh, something you've really got to, got to be able to have at least something that can achieve pretty much all of them. Yeah, and it, like, what what things do you think of when you are, like, not so much building, I guess, you know, g the general things to bear in mind um, when you are building a list is to have, I like to think about having redundancy, because if you have, so a good example would be on the weekend, uh, you know, medtech, right? Medtech's great, he's a doctor and engineer, but if you run a speculo in there, turn one and kill him, you've lost your doctor and your engineer in one order. Yep. And... You may not have any other doctor engineers, and if a doctor engineer classified comes up, you can't do it. So I always like to think about redundancy in this list. So think about you know multi-role, multi-role models, things that can do multiple things. So you're talking, you're looking at like veterans that might also be hackers that might have D charges, um, and then have you know re replicate that across ways where you're not just having one hacker, one engineer, one doctor, one forward observer. You're having like multiples of those, and if you can, where possible, have a unit that can do multiple classifieds one model so something like um jazz not jazz and billy uh what's her name the other one uh from nomads uh, zoe and Pywell, fantastic um unit because she, she's a hacker she's an engineer she's a veteran she's got d charges um her bot has sensor <laughs> like basically they can do like 18 of the 20 classifieds just by that's, themselves that's pretty good yeah yeah but but if you but if you lose if you lose her in turn one, because a speculos run into your DZ, then you're, you know, <laughs> like you've but got no redundancy. That's the other thing as well to consider from an offensive point of view is that if your opponent does have put all of their eggs in one basket and has taken um, Zoe and Pywell, is that who it was? Pywell, yeah. Yeah, Zoe and Pywell. Uh, Jazz and Billy too. But or ja yeah. Um, has taken those models and that's like, that's their ace in the hole sort of thing. If you can take that out, then you can really ruin their day in, in what they're able to achieve. If, if yeah. they have sort of uh, really focused uh, down that, down that path. So. And, and something else um, I want to mention about, uh, about this mission that I think is really important compared to something like say highly classified is tempo. Um, because you, you want to try and get as many classifieds as possible because the more classifieds you do, the more you burn through the deck. Might it's it's really tricky because sometimes you might have an engineer 
you're just waiting for a test run to come up so you can repair the bot that went, you know, the flash boss bot that went down in turn one. That may never come up because there's 20 cards in the deck. And if you're not burning through them because no one's accomplishing, accomplishing classifieds, you, you might, it, you've got to really think about when you might want to use a specialist. Um, I had an experience on Sunday where I had a hacker that was just waiting for a hacking classified to come up. It's also it was also a veteran, so I could have done a veteran classified while that was up. I was like, oh, I'll wait for a hacking classified, which never came surprisingly because there's fucking heaps of them in the deck. Um, so, you know, if you've got another model that can go and do the hacking classified instead, or or you've got other way, basically you want to be looking at other multiple ways of achieving a classified not relying on that one to come up because it may never come up and yeah. it may come up in your opponent's turn and they do it and then you can't do it. That's it. And it's, it's funny because like there is a real sort of luck of the draw type thing. Obviously you got to remember that you, if you're having a rough time with the draw, your opponent may also be having a rough time with the draw, but Dude, yeah. it, it is so, um, you can't, you can't rely on what is going to be coming up because, um, like it was the same thing in 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 the game that I had with Josh on the on the weekend. We got the roughest ones came up, turn one and turn two, and even turn three. And because we weren't really achieving much, we didn't burn through them, so we couldn't get mm. to the nice juicy easy ones like 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 uh, like experimental drug or like um, a test run, which yeah, we both could have done because we both had our, our own unconscious guys around us. Because instead of trying to really achieve many classifieds because there wasn't that many nice ones there. We just kind of started trying to kill each other. So yeah, telemetry and those things as well. Yeah. And that's the, that's the other thing is um, um, if you, if you do start going and killing each other, inevitably what will happen is you start going and killing things and it'll get to your opponent's turn and then they'll flip extreme prejudice and they'll be like, Oh, cool. I just need to like, you know, chip one of your unconscious guys and you're like, damn it. If it was in my turn, then I could have done it in my... T- oh, fuck. But, I mean, that's just... That is one of the problems of countermeasures, I find, is it's really down to the flop and, and how um, where things come up and when they come up um, can really affect the outcome of the game. So, you just got to try and do, really focus on getting those classifieds. And if you can, tell the models that are the easiest to kill that can do the classifieds that you're worried about maybe not being able to get. Um, you know, like the doctors and the engineers that sit at the back, or like the midfield hacker that's obviously just sitting there waiting. Like, go and discover that guy. Go and stab him or shoot him because you don't want them getting data scan before you get data scan. But yeah. it's so hard to do because you don't know when data scan's gonna come up. So it's um, it's a great, it's a good mission. It's really just the luck of the draw, like you said. An, an interesting take on it as well is um. Sure, you you need to build the list that's going to be able to do the objectives, but also you can if you can put things in your list that you don't mind if they that are expendable, things that can't achieve any of the objectives, um, and those are the things that you can use on your alpha strike, and just throw them, throw them at your opponent and be like, okay, this guy's here now, you have to deal with it. Um, that's that was a suggestion that made to me in one of the practice games that I had with um, using countermeasures, where I ran my tag up to my opponent's deployment zone, killed a few things, and then spent my last three orders getting him back to my own deployment zone so he was safe. When we were chatting about it after the game, he was like, "That tag that you 
alpha that you ran into my deployment zone turn one what objectives can it what objectives can it achieve mm. like it can't achieve any of them there's not a single thing on the deck that it can do except like i mean like i don't think there's anything that it can do um yeah come to think of it there really yeah. apart from like 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 coup de gras yeah. or something like that yeah so and he's like well why didn't you just leave it in my deployment zone sitting on top of my link team for me to then have to deal with um instead of running it back yeah i mean sure he's, he's in an exposed position but he's got three wounds is 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 his stack to the nines in terms of his his arsenal that is that he can deliver and if he's in a, a like a corner position where nothing can really easily get a long range shot on it then you're like you're in a great position to really ruin my day kind of thing so that's something to consider as well that um if your uh opponent is spending orders on taking out things that can't do objectives it means they're not doing objectives and you're also not losing things that can do objectives on your side i think that's also just a point of what you made there about people who will be building a countermeasures list general not necessarily for nova core but in general a building a list that is designed to do the missions not designed to kill things will take advantage of that and run a list that can kill things well, i mean run a list that can still do the mission but like but don't be afraid to push a tag or a shit or you know whatever like some alpha strike piece down their throat and go well now you have to deal with this you can't do your missions yep unless unless all their missions are like coup de gras or extreme uh, or uh, predator extremist yeah, recovery or data scan you know that could be a problem but and i i had that same thought whereas if you know if i just went hard on my first turn in that last game just rather than trying to like pick around getting the objectives could have potentially gutted them of five orders that might have made all the difference, but it's it's tough. It's it's a it's a tough one, but I think it's something to bear in mind. You know, yep. is to still think of, think about leaning on that gas pedal if your opponent has taken a kind of null, not a null deploy list, but a list that's not not going to engage directly because it's designed to do the missions. Cool. So like, you might surprise them. I think we can move on to the next mission here, which is supplies. Supplies is a classic Infinity mission. Everyone's played supplies, right? Um, Main objectives are at the end of the game, control the supply box. Two objective points for each supply box. At the end of the game, control more supply boxes than your adversary is worth one point. And at the end of the game, uh, if, your adverse, if your adversary does not control any supply boxes at all, that's one objective point. And there's also two classifieds worth one point each. Mm. So it's... Um, basically, the table lineup is there's, there's no exclusion zone or anything like that. There's just three... Uh, three tech coffins lined up evenly along the center line of the table, and you got to run in and get them and bring them back. Yeah, so there's no um, there's no ITS extras in this mission. Um, you do get a bonus for doctors and paramedics uh, to extract the supply box, which is can be really useful uh, because you know who hasn't who hasn't failed several whip thirteen checks in a, in a row. Being able to roll two dice on 16s or more is yeah, super so the, nice. The bonus is plus three to your whip and an extra die. So and that, yeah, yeah, that's yep, yeah, yeah, extra dice and plus three. So you're pretty much guaranteed to get something out of the box. Well, go. I mean, it, yeah. it's a pretty high chance. It's a pretty high chance. You could roll double 20, but it, it's fairly high chance. Um, I mean, you want to be stacking the odds in your favor, or you know, at all times in Infinity, like no one wants, no one wants to roll one dice. 
and uh, uh, like rolling two just feels a lot better. So yeah, there's a Doctor Paramedic bonus. Uh, there's Intel Com in this mission, which is I'm just gonna say it now. I really don't like Intel Com in these missions because they often get forgotten about, especially these counter espionage ones. And because they what they do is they just cancel a classified that you get if I get a certain classified. Yeah, so, so just... the 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 plus symbols will cancel the cross symbols or something. Yeah, which and it's nine times out of ten gets fucking forgotten. No one, no one ever does it. No one even remembers it. Um, yeah. I, I don't also, personally. I don't. I, yeah, but and I don't. I don't like it. I don't think it's necessary. It's like an extra level of complexity that is not necessary. Yeah, um, and imagine like imagine you get to the end of a like a tight game and you've just won and then you go, oh, hang on. What was your classified? Oh, it was a thing. Oh, mine cancels yours. Oh, fuck. There's nothing you can do about it. Like, it's just, that's just down to the flop of the classifieds. If you happen to get that and they happen to get that and you've just, you know, well, you've not lost a point, but it's just a net zero. Well, it's actually, no, sorry, you have you have lost a point. Because they haven't achieved their, their classified. They've kept it to that's right. counter yours. Yeah. Um. So, I don't like that. I'm just going to say that. I think CB could do something a bit more interesting there, that front. Um, so ways to get majors in this mission, I think is really important because it has mm-hmm. changed from last season. Um, and I lo- really like how, what they've done with supplies this season to make it a bit, it's a bit harder to get, um, a major. I think before it was a case of like, if you had one supply box and your opponent had none, then that's a, that's a five point. You've got five points. Yeah. And that's where, um, where you had the, the tactic where people would really just pray that they were going second and then on their final turn walk in a drop troop from the side and brap their opponent who was holding the box and that was game basically that was game yeah so now in order to get major you either have to control two supply boxes or you have to control one supply box and your opponent has to control zero and you need to get at least one classified so if you control two class two boxes and your opponent controls one that's still a major five points for you or uh, i think it's uh two four yeah five points for you um but if you control only one supply box and you can point control zero in that in the same instance as you said you also now have to get at least one classified and there are two classifieds in this mission as well which is um quite important because uh, up you know two points up for grabs a mission is um is worth bearing in mind so what do you think is important what would you would you consider important or what would you what what things would you be considering in this mission um i i still think going second is an advantage because the game is scored at the end of the game right mm. uh and so you get to have that last action and that last move um in saying that i'd probably want to look at building a list that's got some sort of midfield presence as well as some sort of decent ARO as well so that you can stop you don't just leave it wide open for your opponent um mm-hmm. because if if that happens then they'll just they can just grab them run and castle up and then you're going to have a real real hard time of, of of getting them back out um what are your thoughts um yeah i i, I tend to prefer to go second in this mission um and to anyway because i find going first you a bit of a tricky situation um, on the one hand you you might be in a position where you can just go and grab box or maybe even two and pull them back to your opponent pull them back to your dz more often than not you're 
gonna not have enough orders to do that gonna have to probably you know chew through a few orders to get some arrows down you might only have time to get one box and pull it back to your dz in which case you've got one box there's still two boxes out there for grabs and you've probably not done enough damage to your opponent to actually give them any real heart you know real headaches um because if you go second you can see what your opponent does you can grab the other two boxes and then you've won anyway because you've got two boxes to their one and they have to still come and get to you so I often do prefer going second because I like to see what my opponent does. Does he try? Do, do they try to go after the box or do they try to alpha strike me? If they alpha strike me, probably not going to do that much damage um, because I'm playing Shaz and you can't really alpha strike me. In which case, you're either going to be left out in the midfield, I can get to you, or you've taken one box um, and I can just grab the other two. So that's where I and I find yeah definitely uh, midfield super important because you can you can um, you can use that to grab your own boxes. But you can also use it to defend against the boxes. So having like midfield hackers, repeat uh, like midfield. a repeated presence in the midfields, yep. mines, all that sort of stuff. Mines, crazy koalas, any of those sorts of things. Deployables. Um, I know in the last game of supplies I played, I had two hackers in the midfield and a guided missile bot. If my, my opponent decided to go, and one of them was a hidden ploy hacker, so if my opponent did decide to go and get one of the boxes, spotlight them. What? Alright, well, I'll reset on a minus three while I'm walking back with the box. You can't get, so you, you know, you either reset and you've wasted a couple of orders resetting and you're not quite as far back as you'd hoped, or you've failed to reset and now I just spot and now I just guided missile you and take that box or not so much take the box back but now you that box is dropped and it's anyone's game and you've got to spend they've got to spend more effort to then pick it back up again I mean you can you can if you've got something that's real fast you could get it back to your deployment zone and hand it off to someone else because you can drop the box and someone else can come pick it up um but that's still making your life more complicated yeah, I think uh, mobility and smoke are two things you should really consider when building a list into this mission. Um, you know, something to block line of fire from your aero pieces. And uh, if you've got a, uh, a motorcycle, the 112 from Ariadna um, springs to mind as a, being a doctor that's 8-4 move and has its own smoke. Uh, for 18 points, it's not breaking the bank. It's really cheap. It's going to get the box and it's at least going to be able to get back with it. Yeah, that's your opponent has MS, has MSV. That's an amazing piece. Um, considering it's a doctor as well, or, or paramedic or whatever. Yeah, doctor, you're, you're, yeah, you're getting the bonus, which is so important. So your yeah. your your chances of actually picking it up first go are much much higher. Um, think, think, things like um, things like in you know in, in hackers lamb, we've got uh, Tuaregs with their head employed hidden deploy infiltrating doctors. Um, there's a whole bunch of infiltrating uh, paramedics as well. Uh, those sorts of things really useful. Doctor Worm, six four move doctor, uh, who actually a really good point as well because although slave drones or um, um, servant bots can't extract something from the box, they can still pick up an extracted box. Is that right? Yeah, because they're they you know you, you, the Doctor Worm or whoever it is you know Ed Med Tech whatever the thing is uh, extracts the supply box, but after that anything can pick it up. Yeah. Okay. So, so a servant can pick it up. So the do so worm can go and grab one out of the middle, hand it over to his slave, go over, grab another one, hand it over to the other slave, 
will grab the third one, and then he's got the third one, and they all run back. Now, obviously, that's not going to happen in reality, but it is possible. You can do that all with one model. And because they're slaves, they can go anywhere on the table. Yep. Can just be, you know, they can just like disperse across back into your DZ. Hmm, that's interesting. So, yeah. All sorts of things like things like fiddler. Thinking about that as well. Um, you know, those peripherals can't and can't extract, but they can hold. Um, so consider consider that. That's right. Can't think. I can't think of any any others off the top of my no, head. No, it, it's it's like this is this is one of the one. this is one of the less hard thinking missions so it's nice to, to oh yeah actually that's that's a good point yeah supplies nice and easy yeah uh and in, in, in isolation it's fine yeah um, um next up we've got yeah. supremacy let me just jump to the supremacy page and we can have a look through that have you got it in front of yourself there kev do you want to start reading it i have up? i have because i've I conveniently put the page numbers up on oh jeez uh, so you know where they are you're clever <laughs> so supremacy uh, so at the end of the at the end of each game round, um, so this is a dominating mission. So you've got, think of the mission, the table being split into quarters. So you've got DZs on each side, and then you've got the middle of the table split into four equal quadrants. Ass. Quadrants, that's the word I'm thinking of. The console in the middle of each quadrant. That you. Uh, so the idea is you have to dominate the quadrants, more quadrants than your opponent, and push those buttons. So at the end of each game round, dominate more quadrants than the, adver and the, than the enemy. And at the end of the game, have hacked a console, and you get one objective point for each hacked console up to a maximum of three points. Uh, oh, sorry. And then, sorry, at the end of each game round, you dominate more, you get two points. So it's two, four, six, then seven, eight, nine for the three consoles, and then one classified. Uh, so, uh, so what's interesting about this one is you have to dominate. Oh, sorry. What's interesting about this one? It scored every game round. Every game round, exactly. Quadrants. You have to dominate more quadrants. So if you've got two, Nick, and I've got two, then no one gets any. No points. one gets any points. So uh, you really do need to push. You need to have three to their one, or two to their one. One, one yeah, to if, none. yeah, that's right. So more than more than yeah, and you can get those juicy two points. Um, interestingly about the hack consoles is they are not flipped. They can be shared. Both both players can hack the same console and get the points for it. Yeah. So don't worry. So don't think about you pushing buttons early because uh, they can't get taken away from you in this mission. So often when we play these missions like Com Center or, or any other button pushing mission, often you're like, oh, I don't push it too early because my opponent will just push it back. It doesn't matter. You can push it early if you want to. It's yours. They can't take it away from you. I think in the old season, you used to be able to destroy them, but they've removed that now in, in 4. Um, it was like you could push the button, then destroy it, and then no one else could push it. Okay. That was an old that was an old tactic, which, again, didn't happen very often, but it was there. I think, actually, if you look at the com log, there's still... Com log app, because we're looking at the ITS document tonight, um, you, there's still the structure, the um, unit profile for the consoles is on the app, but it doesn't actually have any... And bearing on the game because you can't destroy them. Yeah. Um, um, the other important thing, I mean, in terms of extras for this mission as well, we do have a defensive extras, turret. Yes. Oh, in this one, yeah, right, there yeah. is. So uh. um, we've got a defensive turret in um, in supremacy. Supremacy, same as we have in countermeasures. Mm. And mm -hmm. uh, 
Another another extra rule that you can't forget is the uh, the Shazvasti rule. Troopers possessing the Shazvasti special skill that are inside a zone of operation uh, count while they are in the Shazvasti slash embryo state or any non-null state. Yeah, so you, you got to remember to double tap those Shazvasti fools. That's right. If you if you, you leave them alive, they will still count for the points at the end of the round, which be quite nasty if you leave something like uh, Malignos alive, which is 30 plus points, just sitting there in a zone. Um, scoring points for you, even though he's not doing anything. Pretty That's great, it. though. Uh, there's and, and on that, there's also baggage as well. So your your baggage bots are really useful in this game. Echadrons, those sorts of things. Traxes. Agriba, she's worth 102 points in this game. Jeez. 106 points. Because yeah, she's Jeez. got baggage and she's 86 points. So it's like... Far out. Yeah, that's... You know that's that's coming out into avatar territory of um of points in a zone. Yeah, that's it. Um, there is a hacker bonus in this mission as well for the the consoles, so you can the extra dice and the plus three if you are um, pushing one of those consoles. Again, really useful just to make sure you get them in one order rather than two or three or five. <laughs> Which you know we've all, we've all had those PTSD PTSD moments where you're just looking at that seventeen just rolling every time. Um. And there is another intel com in this one. Uh, this one's this one's provisions. So this this one's this one is really useful to remember because if you have one of the classifieds with the globe on it, which I think is like telemetry, data scan, basically the hacking ones, I think, you get an extra point if you do it. So it means that classified objective that classified is worth two points instead of one. Two points. So when you're when you're picking when you draw your two to pick one, there might be one that's double the value of the other one. Yeah, which can make all the difference, right? You know, that's a, that's an extra point that your opponent may not be able to get. Um, so it's it's really useful. It's not often in the in the dominate dominate quadrant um missions it's often like the intel com where you use to add the points from the card into the zone but this one this mission doesn't have that it's got this extra point if you've got the globe only up to a maximum of 10 points obviously you can't score 11 but, um that's worth bearing in mind uh too yeah um, so th thoughts on 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 this mission in terms of tactics and that sort of thing for me it lines up Pretty much exactly the same as everything that we said for supplies right you want to have a midfield presence you want to have be, have your uh, dispersion of of your force and you want to have the appropriate specialists that are going to get you that extra bonus when you're trying to push those buttons um further than that though because it's not a retrieval mission it is a uh a, a domination mission in terms of the, mm. the space you're trying to dominate you, I think, like, going first in Supremacy is super, super hard because it's scored at the end of every round. So that yeah. means at the end of every, at the after you've gone first, at the end of your, then your opponent has their turn to put things where they need to be. At the end of the second turn, your opponent then gets another option to put the things where they need to be to outweigh your stuff in the quadrants. And every turn it's the same. So uh, going first is very tricky. Um, I would even probably consider if I if my opponent selected deployment, I'd probably consider uh, deploying first and going second. Wow. Yeah. Really. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I I 
depending on the army, but I think that is a worthwhile tactic in this mission. Um, I mean, like we've we've said before on countermeasures, like you know, you can if you want to go hard and just try and kill your opponent specialists. Supremacy, if you happen to go first and you have got some punch, you can just try to like move into your opponent's side of the table um, and take out what you can, set up and suppress a fire, put down mines, and just be like, come out of your deployment zone. If you want these points, you got to come, you got to come, get it. That won't work every time, that won't work with every force, but I have seen it used to really good effects. Just fucking bum rushing them. And just setting their their half, moving you know, move a couple of things into your one, a couple of baggage bots into your two closest halves, and they have to come to you because they, you know, it's not that often. What happens in supremacy is they move to the middle, you move to the middle, none of us get points. Then after that, that's when start to you start to find out who's going to win. That's that's that is an interesting point, um, Kev. I've not really thought about that before. Where instead of just consolidating your two halves on your side, is just go right over. And instead of the game happening in the middle of the table, the game happens outside of their deployment zone. Yeah, and if you've got um, AD in this game, this mission, really useful. Be on your watch out for AD, especially if your opponent's going second. You can just walk on a 20 to 30 point model, uh, kill some stuff, and then take your take a zone from you with like really very little, um, very little in return. Um, but I think, yeah, it's I, I do agree. I think going second is, is probably preferable. Um, force your opponent to make a mistake, force your opponent to overcommit, you will get those players that will be like, right, I'm going first, I'm just going to do as much damage as I can and hold up in your in your half of the table and force you to be back. Oops. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, so, and, and, and I guess on that as well, a, a, not just AD is useful, um, hidden deployment is very useful as well, especially that with infiltration. You can, again, reveal it to surprise your opponent for the extra 30 points in a zone um spec uh in, impersonators really really useful in this one as well because they already start in those zones um if you can force your opponent to anchor at least 50 points in one of their own quadrants that will also um limit their ability to push forward which is why baggage is really important because if you've got uh an eight point baggage bot it's suddenly a 28 point baggage bot you know, if you do that plus a couple of line troopers, you've got more than enough to hold off quadrant against, you know, any individual walking on from the side or walking into your half. Yeah. Um, a common tactic I will do with my Shazvasti is put a speculum in each of your opponent's quadrants. It's 32 to 34 points that just sitting in the quadrant doing nothing else. And my opponent has to dedicate at least that many points in those two quadrants at all times stop them to, to avoid losing those quadrants. Um, if you have baggage, then it makes that job a lot easier. Yeah, that's a really good point. Um, in terms of like, and that's a that's a bit of a different take on how you might use something like a speculo uh, in, in this type of a mission because so so often it's just considered that assassin piece. But really mm. it's, it's, it's a good few points, 30, mid-30s in terms of points. And uh, yeah, sitting that in your opponent's quadrant and making them deal with it or leave stuff behind uh, is it can be can be huge. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and and I think I just I made a mention here. This this could be a mission where a tag could be quite useful um, because you've got a big stompy robot that's 70, 70 to eighty points. 
um, that can just claim a zone all by itself. Like, um, I think that's worth worth mentioning. And even though we did mention this, this lineup is specialist focused. Um, if you have an expensive piece that can doesn't necessarily want to get too close to an opponent, so like a, we're not, we're not talking. You know, so we're talking, you know, the tags or the multi HMGs, the ones that's like to sit just outside the deployment zone and anchor that zone for you. And they can be really, really useful because they're speedy as well. So they can move from one quadrant to another quadrant, wherever they need to be to, to, to solidify that position. Yeah, definitely. Cool. Okay. So that is that round, is that day one? That's day one. one done. Okay. That's day one. Oh, fuck. I'm glad, I'm glad it's supremacy. Um, and supply. I'm glad that's a day one. Countermeasures is like a bit of a brain thing. As in supremacy, they're fun missions. I enjoy them. Um, but day two is going to be. Uh, yeah, day, I mean, yeah, day two. They're both, both very. Uh, cognitively intense missions. Um, but there's only two of them. So we don't have to play three games in a row on day two. But we'll probably oh, be hung over as well, so that doesn't help. Exactly. Um, <laughs> did we mention? Did we mention that we haven't had Novacore in three years? So yeah, I think it's going to be. Uh, did we also mention that the venue has a BYO? So yeah, we're going to be <laughs> still drunk, possibly. So that's it. Um, maybe maybe all this cognitive loading might might not matter when we're just like rolling dice and rolling beers. Oh, I think I think um, that's the way. Like considering how much work we put in. I mean, I've put in so much work on all my lists and done so many practice games. For me to come 17th on the weekend uh, out of 20 people, it's just like completely shattered my confidence. I don't think I know what I'm doing, um, but maybe maybe I've just been thinking about it too much. Maybe it just needs need to take a step back and just chill out and just play the game. I'm glad you said that. I mean, I came sick and I felt I did absolutely terribly. So I, I think I need to... Hey, there was 11 people between you and I. <laughs> yeah i know I'm, I'm just trying to sympathize with your position yeah that's okay just pun punching down is what it's called Ken. punching <laughs> punching down yeah it's like i, I know how you poor people feel no, I'm <laughs> is, this, <not. laughs> is, this, is this some sort of poor people joke i'm uh, is this some sort of yeah uh bad player joke that i'm too good at this game to understand yeah yeah oh i can't i'm never below the top 10 no i'm not even me at all i am um, cool. We, let's move on to the round four then. Rescue. Right. Where we still yeah. we really start having to, having to think about things. So rescue, I'll talk about the deployment and what the table looks like before going through how you score in it, because I think that'll visualize it better for you. So you've got, uh, you have a exclusion zone at the very edge of the exclusion zone, but inside of it on the other side of the table, equally spaced along the that line you have four civilians and then on your side of the table your opponent has four civilians the idea is that you need to go over to your opponent's side of the table grab your civilians and bring them back into your deployment zone or into your dead zone to get points so uh you've at the end of the game for each civilian in the civivac state you get one objective point if you've got the same number of civilians in Civivac state in your dead zone as the adversary has in their dead zone, at the end of the game, you get one objective point, but only if you've got at least one. Uh, have more civilians in the Civivac state in your dead zone than the adversary at, uh, has in their dead zone is worth two objective points. 
and at the end of the game have more civilians in Sivivac state in your deployment zone than the, than the adversary has in their deployment zone is three objective points. And then you get one classified worth one point. Right. Wait, so how do, you get, how do you get the 10? You have, to get 10, you need to have more in your own deployment zone for three, oh, more right, in yeah. your own dead zone for another two, yeah. One classified and have all four of them synced. Oh, it's gross. No one's getting 10. <laughs> yeah, I think that's fair enough. I think fucking that's not happening. It's not, it's not going to happen. <laughs> no one's getting 10. Right? Lucky if you get five. I played this, five. I've played this mission four times now, like in the past month. And in none of those games... Has anyone synced more than one civilian? Mm. No, I don't know okay. if we're doing. I don't know if we're doing it wrong, but I don't know how you win this mission. Well, I think Val on the weekend got six points, and I was trying to figure out how he did that. So he must have gotten. Must have gotten. But, but, but the, I mean, there's so many different five. ways you can get points as well. It's like spread out all over the place with are they in the deployment zone or are they in the dead uh, yeah. zone in my game right i got one civilian back to my deployment zone my opponent got one civilian back to his deployment zone that because we had the same amount in our deployment zone is worth no points right oh yeah because you got yeah that's that's the thing about this mission that's weird is it's not your deployment zone it's your dead zone you got to consider too so you've that's got right. something that's something in your deployment zone and something in your dead zone get the most amount of points. If you have two civilians in your deployment zone, eh, it doesn't matter. Well, if you're assuming your opponent has none, you actually need to make sure that you put one in your dead, one in your deployment to get the most amount of points. It just feels counterintuitive. It's yeah, it it's it's tricky. It's real tricky. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's... Yeah. And only one point, if you go through all that drama, pull a, a civilian almost all the way back to your dead zone, but not, not quite, it's just, oh, you just get one point. It's fine. That's all you get. Yeah. Um, now, yeah. I, th I think I think it's important that we go through, like, mo even more so than going through all the specifics that are in this mission. It's got no, um, it's got no extras, right? There's nothing... Fancy. No extras. There is there is the exclusion zone like you mentioned that yeah. before. Exclusion zone. The the dead zone is the area between your deployment zone and the exclusion zone. That's called the dead zone. Um, on top of that, uh, there's four civilians. Now to synchronize with a civilian, the civilians you get points by having civilians in certain positions in the Sivivac state. To get them into the Sivivac state, you have to do the synchronize civilian skill which is in this document i believe it is on page nine uh yeah page nine so just before you before you get to that i just want to quickly um don't know, don't know if we mentioned this before we were talking about the points but how do you actually score a major in this mission minimum way to do it is to have one civilian in your dz synced opponent has none and you've done your classified that's the minimum way to get five. Minimum three. is because you got three for your deployment zone, one yep, for having one the guy synced, and the classified one is for five. Classified. Or, so huh? 
Yeah. That's it. Yeah. That's how, that's how you get five. Yeah. Or, or obviously having obviously more civilians, but that's more work. So the minimum way is one civilian in your deployment zone and you're classified. Yeah. Don't do your classified, you're only getting four points. Or you, you sink all four civilians, don't get <laughs> them anywhere, and do your classified. Yeah, that yeah, that seems that also doable, I guess. Uh yeah, I guess you can get two into the dead zone. Uh which will mean that's that's uh two, four, five, six points. It's basically it's 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 it seems sounds easy. It's not because your opponent just gets if they get one as well, it cancels out all of your work. Um, as you said, if you have if you've got one class, if you've got one sorry, one civilian in your DZ and in your and you went first, you're like yeah, I'm winning, woo! But you've got nothing watching your own civilians. Your opponent just goes out and grabs that grabs your civilian, runs back to the DZ with it cancels out your points and you end up with a one-all draw that's and that's exactly what happened in my game yeah if you had it in your butt hang on this is weird if you have more civilians in your dead zone oh they that's don't only worth get back two. okay so if you've got one in your dz well, that's weird right okay so if you if you have so if, if they if they next. sink one and bring it to the deployment zone, you sink two and put one into your dead zone and the other one goes nowhere, then you're still on three each. Mm. Yeah. If you go if you bring one back to your dead zone and I bring one back to my deployment zone, uh four three. Yep. So Otherwise, if you go an extra few inches and get into the deployment zone, it's one all. Oh my goodness! <laughs> so, so ah, it's a, ah rescue. Yeah. And the thing is, you can't just measure out where the dead zone is either. Like you can't. It's like it's, it's going to be like frontline all over again. You're like, shit. Is this? Am I in my dead zone, or am I still in my deployment zone, or am I not even in the dead zone yet? Can you I, not? Can you not measure where it is? Because sure, not, sure, not, surely not, for not like the game. But like, during if I'm trying to bring a drop troop in. I've got to know um, where I'm allowed to put it. Yeah, for the drop trip, yeah, because that's a legal requirement. But this is just like frontline. You just got to guess it. You make sure you put your um, eight. Oh, because there are also, you, in addition to your four civilians, you've got a HVT. So you've got five civilians on the table. Yeah, four civilians, one HVT. Yeah. So what you do is you put your HVT, the 16-inch line, keep it oh i guess that's where your dead zone is anyway so well, as long as all of your guys are there then you know where the dead zone starts yeah, so that's yeah. fine. as long as you're past your own civilian then you're you're fine yeah or well, you're past your opponent's civilians your opponent's civilians yes yes yeah okay um did right, you sorry going back no just, did, you wanna wanna talk, did you want to talk did you want to talk about uh how to synchronize a civilian because it's important yeah, so let's, let's talk about the all the ways you can and can't synchronize with a civilian okay only models, not markers, can perform this common skill. Uh, any marker which declares it is automatically revealed. Makes sense. Uh, troopers must be in silhouette contact. Okay, that's easy. The target civilian cannot be in the Sivavac state with an enemy model. Um, a model cannot declare the common skill if the following is true. If it already controls two civilians in the Sivavac state already, it possesses the impetuous skill, special skill, or has gained it via frenzy. Uh, if it's peripheral, if the trooper is a remote, so a rem, 
Um, not a tag with remote presence. Tags with remote presence are not rems, they are tags. If the category is REM as the as the type, uh, if it's performing a coordinated order or being part of a fire team. That's how you can perform the synchronized civilian uh, skill, which then puts you in the Civivac state, which has more rules associated with it. So a trooper successfully... Yeah, go. Wait a minute. So the so but the, to to perform a synchronized civilian, how do you actually do it? So like, what do you need to do? You need to. Oh, you need to roll a a whip check. Yeah, sorry, I didn't. Yes. I, yeah, yeah. You need to do a a whip a whip check, but you get a plus three. Yeah, plus three. And if you pass, then he's in the then he's in the the civivac state. Uh, if you fail that roll, the civilian becomes hostile, and you then lose that plus three mod. Mm-hmm. If the civilian's hostile, does that mean they start shooting at you? No. No, no they don't have any weapons or anything. So, yeah, that's the, don't worry about that. So, no, the, they, they, being hostile, all that means is that plus three that you roll, that you got to roll in the first one, um, is no longer there. I think that's a real kick in the teeth because if you just failed your plus three whip roll, guess what? Now that roll's even harder. Mm-hmm. It's so that's it's, so rough. It's like, it's like it's like you haven't offered them the right amount of candy to get in your van. <laughs> it's like oh, I don't like licorice. Fuck off, you weird old man. I'm not yeah. getting in your van. Ew, oh, licorice. Oh, I mean, I would get in an old man's van if you offered me licorice. I love licorice. It's I'm great. sure. I'm sure you would, Kev. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, so that, that just yeah, bear that in mind. You yeah, you've got to pass the whip the whip rule to get into. The, <laughs> well, sorry, it's just doing. It's, I was just thinking of it's always sunny with the the troll the troll toll. Anyway, you gotta play the um, you gotta pay the troll toll to get into that voice <laughs> toll. Yeah. Um. So sorry, as you're okay. saying, state. Right. Once we've succeeded synchronizing the civilian, we are now in the civivac state. A trooper uses a trooper. Sorry, let me just cough. <laughs> remembering to uh, mute his microphone. That's right. I got to remember to mute my microphone each time. Um, a, a trooper successfully uses the synchronized civilian common skill on a civilian. This model is called the controller and is the reference trooper for consider- for coherency purposes. Effects. Civilians are always uh, activated with the same order of the controller, uh, executing the same skills, uh, but limited to short movement skills. If uh, if the civilian in civilian state does not meet the requirements of a skill uh, of the order is declared by the controller, then the civilian performs an idle instead. Does that mean that that means they can't jump? Can't jump. They can't climb. And if if the controller declares cautious move, which is not a short movement skill, it's a long movement skill, the civilian is going to idle. Yeah, right. Okay, yeah, that's a good, good, good bear. Bear that in mind, folks. Like, if you're trying to climb up the side of a building to get your dude to safety, he's just gonna be like, "No, I'm staying at the ball." You got to use the steps. Yeah, I mean that 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 had that could have some implications, especially if you have super jump. Yeah, because you'll super jump, and they'll just be like, "I will not." <laughs> yeah, I I'm like <laughs> jumping up the side of this building. What is that? <laughs> yeah, just be like, "Nope." Um. So yeah. So the uh the civilian in the we'll civilian state. Impossible work fine though because it's still a short movement skill. Okay. They can well obviously they, they can't climb up as well, but they'll they'll continue moving around the building mm. or whatever it is you're doing. Um, yeah. So the civilian in civivac state must have observe the coherency rules in regarding to its controller. 
uh, and the player must perform a coherency check at the start and the end of each order or ARO. So, uh, cancellations. The state is immediately cancelled if the civilian for fails a coherency check, breaking coherency with the controller before measuring any declared movement. Uh, the state is immediately cancelled as soon as the controller becomes part of a fire team. So you can't... For you, Val. You can't join a fire team if you've got a, um, a civilian attached to you. The state is cancelled at the end of the order in which the controller enters isolated state, any null or immobilized state, or any other state that indicates so. Um, I want to mention that real quick. Immobilized state is, is interesting. So if you have... I don't know heavy infantry that has just picked up a, a, a civilian if you happen to carbonate that same heavy infantry they will disconnect from the civilian that's handy so, that is that could be very handy yeah especially the same with glue guns and all that sort of stuff too but i was just thinking about it today i was like oh carbonite would work for getting rid of uh if you can't engage or kill that tag that's got the civilian you can carbonate it and or hit it with the M, then it'll still let go of the, the civi. The civi. Yeah. Uh, at the end of the order, the state is also cancelled if the controller enters a state that replaces the model with a marker, so camouflage, impersonation, hollow echo, and the controller can cancel the civivac state voluntarily by spending a short skill. Not that you would ever want to. Um, okay. Yeah. So, so now we've um, got that out of the way. Um, so something I want to bring up to folk because it caused considerable confusion on the weekend and today. Rules in this are not the same as Comlog. Comlog is, I think, missing a couple of uh, key points. One of them being that uh, I don't think Comlog mentions that you can can't be part of a fire team. I think it mentions coordinated order only, whereas the ITS document does mention fire team. So um, you cannot be part of a fire team, uh, which also therefore moves the possibility of fire teams that become regular and lose their impetuous when they're in a fire team, they still can't sink because they have to because they're in a fire team. Um so they can't they can't sink with so Gakis, uh, the monk team, uh, the Morlock team, uh, any of those ones that, that remove impetuous. Um, what it does work for quite well and works really well in season thirteen is bikes, because bikes actually they if you want to remove you can you can voluntarily get rid of impetuous. Yeah. Yeah, get rid of it, which 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 gives you an eight four or an eight six model that can pick up a civilian and run away with it, uh, which is which is really 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 good. Um, you can only have one civilian per model, but if you're a specialist, you can have two. And I think that's another might be another error on Comlog because I think Comlog doesn't specify how many you can do. Just as you can't have more than two, but in the ITS document, it says somewhere here. It, it you says you can't. One. It says you can't sink. An extra one if you've already got two. Yeah, but if you go to the rescue, well, this is good radio. It's forty-eight. Back to rescue. Adventure penguins. Um, players cannot place. No, no, that's not it. Players can use. No. Where is it? No, I just, read I, it today. I, isn't it? Doesn't it just cover? Is it's, that's already covered in in the Civivac and synchronized civilian. I got rules. in the scenario. In this scenario, specialist troops can have up to two civilians in the Civivac state at the same time. Other troops able to declare a synchronized civilian can only have one. Okay. Yeah, so there's there's another new rule for you. Where's, there. it, where's, it yeah. say, where's it say that? 
in in the rescue mission. Yep. So under page forty eight, yeah. under civilians, the one, two, three, four, five, sixth paragraph. Specialist troops can have two civilians in a civilian state. Right. So an an interesting point on that as well. Tags are not civilians. Sorry, tags are not specialists. The tag pilot is a specialist. Yeah. So the tag pilot can have two. So the tag pilot can have two, but if he then gets inside his tag while he's got two attached, one of them will drop. Yeah, will one of them drop or will both of them drop? Because I don't know how that works. Uh, I would assume only one of... The, I would assume, based on this clause, one of them would. Yeah. Um, because, like... That comes... Yeah. yeah. I think it comes back to uh, a point that I was looking at earlier. Fuck, what was it now? Uh, I've forgotten. Oh, um... So in order to be... In order to use a Civivac skill, to cannot be impetuous. There's yep. nothing about it once you are in the Civivac state. If you become impetuous through frenzy, you don't it doesn't there's it's not in the cancellation clause. You don't immediately lose the civilian if you become frenzy, if you become impetuous from frenzy. You can't pick them up once you've got them. It's fine. Okay, okay. Yep. Are you I mean that's that's just that's just what it doesn't it's not in the cancellation clause. So mm -hmm. um, so if you're an Asawira as example who has frenzy and you pick up a civilian and then you shoot something dead, you don't immediately well, you don't next turn. Yeah, if you lose if you if you become yeah, if you've already got him synced. Okay. Yep. That if makes you've already sense. got them synced and you become impetuous after you've synced something, then you don't immediately drop them because it's not part of the cancellation clause. However, if you had them when you weren't in a fire team then you join a fire team it's in the cancellation clause and you lose the lose the civvy that way okay then on the peripheral side of things i've had some people ask me this question and i want to clear it up is peripheral is what is the it speaks of the peripheral so you can't be a peripheral and sink a civilian the controller of the peripheral so using fiddler as an example jackbots can't grab them fiddler can gotcha like it's you know when people say with the peripheral rule, Fiddler doesn't have the peripheral rule. The robots do. Robots do. Um. So. Yeah, so the yeah so um Antibody and bolts on the chat just saying the Garda, Garda Exilia can yes but the the Exilia can't but the Garda. Can. Doesn't you know having an Exilia doesn't include him from getting the civilian in the first place. That's right, but the Exilia itself cannot sink. Well, also because it's a rem. That it's that too, that too. Um. So, oxbot. Right. Yeah, oxbot. Oxbot, Ox not auxilia. Yeah, yeah. My bad. Yeah. I know players out there going, "No, it's not talking about the right thing." I'm like, "Hey, you're right. I'm not." Um. So, exclusions on this mission as well. I think you mentioned that too. Cannot civivac your own civilians. That's in the mission. No, you, well, no, 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 no. Players can only synchronize their own civilians. You can't, yeah, sorry, you what can't, I, what did I say? You said you can't civivac your own civilians. Oh, sorry. When I say your own civilians, I mean you the ones on your side of the table, your which are your opponent's civilians. Um, yeah. Now, actually, small thing then on the deployment aspect. If I'm gonna, if I'm playing you, Nick, yep. I'm putting my own civilians on my side of the table. I'm not putting my civilians on your side of the table because it's just too much of a pain in the ass. Uh, you want me to come up and sync your models and then drag them around the table? 
Yeah, can be. Yeah, uh, I guess. Oh, uh, I don't know. Can I be? Can I be fucked? No, like, no, no, no. The ones, the ones that I'm interacting with, are gonna does be my matter? models. It doesn't. It, does... it, yeah, because they're my, they're my civilians. My civilians rule... go on the other side of the table. That's how it works. You rule for sides. You rule for initiative. I go first. You decide to pick sides, and then you put your civilians on my side of the table. Yep. Because, yeah. like, it's not like I we mean, get to pick where the civilians go because it's in a pre prescribed position. So Yeah, I, I mean, I guess if your pressure's about me not touching models, then uh, I guess so. Um, oh, but on that, they ha they still have to follow the rules for HVTs. So this is one that um, Gavin's going to have to think really carefully about. Um, I mean, and for Comm Center. Because, because, because they, they have to be placed on the ground. Yes. So on the weekend, uh, House of War, we I don't think every table played that way because it was just going to be too much of a fuck around to move terrain out of the way. So some of the civilians were placed on rooftops. They were all accessible. They weren't all on ground level because it would have involved a massive change of the table. So it makes sense for them to all have to be on ground level, though, if they're not going to be able to do climb or jump skills, right? They can only do short movement skills. So... That's a good point. Yeah, but it, it's it does it does make the tables it does force the tables to look a certain way because you've got to make sure you've got that sixteen inch strip of like doesn't have to be the whole sixteen inch strip. It just has to be the point where they go. I know, but if you think about the size of buildings, they might be eight, eight inches square. That could fuck you. It could make things a bit tricky. I guess is why he's put it as the first round of day day two. So you can. So there's the so there's time to time to, to change make changes if if they need to. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So what are you thinking about for this mission? What's like? Hey, I have mean? no idea. <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> um. This one is just so hard because like. It's every time, like I said before, I've played this quite a number of times already, and every time I just find it so hard to achieve anything. So honestly, I, I don't know what I'm doing. I feel like you got to, it's, it's more so than any other mission if you really punch your opponent in the face. So you've got that free reign of, of, of tables and take out their main pieces, then you can kind of do what you want. And if you if you can achieve that turn one and turn two and then spend your last turn sinking and and getting back home, then then you're home and hosed. Yeah, I think that of all the five missions, this is the one mission you can play Annihilation. With. Um, it's it's not because it's, it's very difficult for your opponent to um, do the objective because they need to get to your DZ. But I think this is one you can do. But again, running the uh, theme here is mobility. Mobility, mobility, mobility. Like, you need to be able to get your DZ, push through, get to the thing. You need smoke. You need fast movement. You need um, and durability, right, to be able to, like, weather the weather the storm of gunfire that you're, you're grabbing the civilians. But yep. I think mobility is really Impersonators, huge. if you've got them, they can deploy in your in that in that dead zone on the other side of the table, mm. right next to where your civilians are. That's great. Um, if you've got cheap infiltrators, if you are willing to roll the dice and see if you can deploy them on that side of the table, that's that's worthwhile as well because that means instead of you having to trek all the way to the other side of the table, you can already be there to sink one of your dudes. Yeah, yeah. I think impersonators are good because uh, well, if the days and speckles have smoke. 
so they can smoke up and grab this grab the grab the dude um it's still that's a lot of um it's still a lot of orders you know you got to get all the way back to your to your dz um you don't have to get all the know. way back there in the same well, turn. not in, not in, not in one turn no but I mean, if you can like relay the the civilian a little bit you know get a little bit of the way on turn 1 and turn 2 know get it because the difference between this mission and something like that's sort of similar as supplies is in supplies you know if you get a box and get halfway to your dz and die your opponent just grabs his box and brings it back but in this mission your opponent can't do that the civilian is stuck where it is until you grab it again yeah you could just like, get as far as you can if your opponent kills you kills you in turn one turn two you move up a camel mark or whatever grab the next you know move it another little bit back um it's it's not going to move other way it's going it's only going to move closer towards your dz so that might be a way a way of getting at least some points on the board the other because, thing um, to consider as well is you want to try and make sinking the civilians as hard as possible for your opponent things like littering mines and other deployables uh repeaters as well Repeaters um, again guide, guided missiles again because the, you can your opponents your opponent's civilians are only four inches outside of your deployment zone. So you can just put a hacker in your deployment zone on the edge or a repeater near them and they're covered by by that uh, by that hacking radius uh, or uh, or a mine or, or something like that. Even sh even short short range ARO pieces with templates yeah. right up there on the line, your your opponent's gonna have to deal with that stuff before they can sync with the civilian. I found I found um, my game of rescue on Sunday. Uh, tigers to be very useful because they've got six cents. You put them on the twelve-inch line, or you put them inside zone of control of your own civilian. Your opponent's civilian. Your your opponent's civilian. Sorry. And your opponent comes to sink that civilian. You just roll a dodge on a sixteen, and they move four inches into line of fire, and then they're like, "Cool. Now, do you want to kill this tiger, or do you want to eat a chain colt?" Um, and it's really important as well as the synchronized civilian doesn't actually evoke any arrows if you've got stealth because it's a short movement skill. So if you haven't got any, you know, if you're relying on hacking and you've got no sixth sense, someone with, someone with stealth can walk up, grab them, walk away, and you can do nothing. So bear um, that in mind as well, folks. Like have, you know, if you've got a core link of hacking, or link of hackers, or if you've got anything with six cents, um, otherwise you're having to rely on line of fire and um, or hoping that your opponent hasn't got stealth. Which, you know, if your opponent's smart, will be trying to use something with stealth, speculos and fit and, and uh, fides, camouflage things, whatever. We'll we'll probably try and get that thing instead. So it's um yeah it's it's a tricky mission um. Very tricky mission. I don't think it matters if you go first or second. I feel like you can go first in Alpha Strike. You can go second and be the last person to do what you know, do the same thing as you do in supplies. Walk us walk an AD on, shoot the guy holding the holding the, the, the dude and then um sink your own one. Um but unlike supplies where your supply box is on the guy who's holding it, if you Sink a civilian and then climb up on top of a building and go prone. You can't get the civilian off you. They have to kill the guy who's holding the civilian first. Yeah. 
And because you can be eight, in eight inches away, civilian can be in the open. That doesn't matter. You can't get him until you kill the holder. Yeah. So you can make it really hard for your opponent to get the civilian back. That's, that's, it's a tricky one. <laughs> it's a real, real tricky one. Yeah. I don't, I don't see there being big scores in this mission. Um, you know, unless you've got, gotten stomped. I mean, I'm looking at running like a Sphinx list in this one, just be, just to try to push, you know, um, hard into my opponent, but mm -hmm. I don't know if it's going to be enough. I feel like something like, yeah, what we were talking about before might be better. Yeah. All right. So what? We're on to the last mission. That's it. Com Center. Com Center. I'm just going to opening up yes. Com Log because I don't have the Season 10 document to bring up on the screen. So, oh, mate. Um, I've got Season 10 right here. Really? I downloaded it as well. Aye. There you go. Well, you're you're a better man than I. Um, if you've got you've got the document there, you can you can let me know what it says then. Xenotech. <laughs> oh God. Ugh. Oh. Xenotech. He's an X. Yuck. I'm so yeah, glad we right. don't have Xenotech anymore. Anyway, you can uh, you can tell me what's in Com Center then. Right, so Com Center is the grid style. So twelve inch deployment zone, exclusion zone with nine consoles in the middle. So you've got um, like three. Sorry. Three, three by three grid um are in the middle and then eight inches either side they're basically on the exclusion zone on the exclusion zone line middle and the other exclusion zone line um so the mission objectives are have the same amount of connected antennas as the adversary at the end of the game is two points only if one player has connected at least one antenna have more connected antennas in, and then the adversary is four points kill more specialists is two points and to kill the designated target is one objective point and that wasn't enough there are three classified missions in this one three it's like highly classified with button pushing yeah i mean three classifieds is 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 a lot right it's a lot it's not it's not frontline a lot actually it's frontline four i think it's four anyway it's a lot um love this mission i'm going to go and say it. i think this is the best mission of the lineup yeah i'm really yeah i think this is a fantastic mission it's so fun and varied and interesting yeah. it's a good mission to end on uh, i'd far rather this than rescue actually yeah that's fair um how do we get what's the easiest way to get five points All right Okay, I did a bit of writing on this one earlier on today. So let me let me let me hit you up with this now. A major, more buttons and more specialists. See, that's I wouldn't say it's the easiest way. I'd say that's, no, that's, I, so, that's so, way to so it. No, so so to have more connected antennas than the adversary is worth four points. And then Sorry, more more buttons and kill their opponents using their target, that's five. Yeah. So you you push one button, they push no buttons. And you kill the designated target or achieve one classified. Or achieve one classified. That's yeah. your five. Yeah. I would say I'd say given the nature of where the buttons are and how close they are to your DZ, they're only four inches outside of your DZ, you can almost guarantee that you'll well not guarantee. Excuse me, I'm barping. You can push three on your side, your opponent pushes three on their side, and then you're kind of pushing this the flanks in the middle. Um you really want to be able to push like three to four buttons 
your if your opponent only pushes three, you as long as you have a classified or killed or HVT. Now, given now, reason why I didn't say designated target uh, as the easiest way to victory is because designated targets are so easy to kill. I think it's it's probably that's more of a given that you're both going to do them. I'm not easy to kill, but I would say it's a given that you're going both going to do them. But I'd be relying on so the the more important part of this mission is kill your opponent's specialist because as you know the, the well-known saying goes, your opponent can't push buttons if you disable their hand. Yeah. So so, that, so if it, you kill if you're killing their specialists, not only are you getting the two points for the more specialist part, but also you're impeding their ability to push the buttons which is worth more even more points exactly and it's worth two points so you know if you you can secure yourself up with six points to push more and get your um the specialist kills and that's the thing is the specialist kills can only go one of two ways right designated target can go one point each classifiers can go three points each but the specialists and the button pushing can only go one way or the other so that's why I think that's more important than doing the classifieds because if you get three classifieds, Nick, and I get three classifieds, then we're e we're even Stevens. Um, specialists is where I think a lot of the crux of this mission comes into. Um, I've discovered that in the two games I've played of it is if you can if you can kill just one more specialist than your opponent, you're on your way to victory. Yeah, definitely. Um. Got a hacking bonus as well, which is important to note in that you want to be bringing mm -hmm. hackers along. Same as, uh, what was the Supremacy. other one? Supremacy. Supremacy also has a hacking bonus. So nice little uh, continuity there. Uh, but because it's an older it's season 10, right? It doesn't have any of the extras from season 13. So there's, apart from the mission itself, there's nothing else True. you've got to worry about. Yeah, there is that annoying Intelcom counter espionage again. So. If I do a classified with the blah, and you do a classified with the blue, and we cancel, the thing happens. So yeah. it's annoying. I hate it, but it's there. So bear that in mind, though, when you draw a classified, um, if you're at a disadvantage for drawing that one. Uh, so we have to remove the HVT class. Well, I don't know if this is actually how it's supposed to be run, but this is how we're going to be running it at Nova Core, according to Gavin, is where we are removing the HVT classifieds before the start of the game. You will not be drawing any of those six classifiers from your deck. And this is because the HVT is a designated target. And we don't want the last round of Novacore to be contentious because somebody loses because they got an HVT classified and, you know, they're classified. Kill, killed they're, the, they're, killed they, the HVT instead of achieving the classifier. Yeah. Yes. Um, which I think is fair. I think it just makes it a lot bit easier. You just remove that, that um, additional. It's step it's it's from a it's a variable that that's entirely up to chance based on what the draw looks like. And for the f f round five of of a two day tournament, you don't want to have that type of variable in play. Yeah, I think so. it's probably fair just to remove it. Um, just deal with the non HVT got HVT classifieds. Yep, I agree. That's fine. Um, um, anything else about this mission? Saying. Do you want to go first or second? It's um, oh, a tough one as well. I think as much as this mission wants you to be specialist heavy and push buttons, 
I don't think it matters. I think you can go first or second. The, well. Like, because there's so many buttons out there that you can push. Sure, yeah. if you go second, that means you might be able to steal one off your opponent in the final push to change change the numbers around. Um, mm-hmm. But I don't think that's necessarily the way, the best way to look at it. I mean, but, but it's definitely doable. But I, I agree that you can definitely go either way. Yeah, I think a good example would be uh, on Sunday, I played against um, a combined army player who had a Rajat being, you know, waiting in the wings to walk on his specialist. And the whole point of him was to drop in or walk on on the last turn because he went second and push whatever buttons were in my side of the table to flip them to him. So I, I think I had five, uh, five buttons pushed to his three or two. So, you know, if he's pushing... He's pushing my but so the the big difference is if he's pushing my buttons, not only is he he's pushing my buttons, not only is he getting a button, he's also moving a button from me. Yeah. So a five so five three suddenly goes to four four all. Yeah. Right? Rather than like five three goes to five four and then you know he has to get another button. Yep. Pushing them on my side, that's that's a big swing. So that's why he did it. Um he wasn't able to, anyway, it doesn't matter. He wasn't able to do it because I put him in loss of lieutenant, so he didn't have enough man tokens to do more than what he, you know, yep. more than just push um, one button, which would only make it a draw. So, he, you know, he, he couldn't he couldn't manage to do it anyway. But that's something to bear in mind is um, if you're going to go second, got something like that or hidden deployment, although, again, the exclusion zone does remove that ability for a hidden deployment model just to appear, push a button, because you're only pushing buttons on your side of the table, which may have already been pushed by you anyway. Mm. So, um, AD could be really useful, especially if you've got AD deployment zone. Um, otherwise, yeah, maybe roll for this roll for that infiltrator, or um, bend the orders and move across the table. Yeah, uh, I yeah, I I, f- I feel like the way that I'm looking at this one is uh, that. Well, I, yeah, I, I haven't really considered like a drop troop specialist. Really, I'm just kind of taking my big hitters to punch my opponent in the face. So, I mean, this is how I've tried to play it on, on Sunday, which didn't really work, was mm. to try and just aggressively uh, take on my adversary and then push buttons later. Maybe the better option is to is to start pushing buttons from the beginning and then just kill things as you go along. Um and really, because that's what I mean. Apart from killing specialists, it's all about the buttons. It's all about the buttons, and I think I think on turn one, turn two, uh, turn one or turn two, you should be prioritizing button pushing, and you should be you should be looking to push at least two, mm-hmm. or if, if preferably three. Preferably all three in the closest to you. You should be pushed by turn turn two. Then turn three is all about um, equalizing or, or getting ahead. You should be dedicating either turn one or turn two to killing whatever of your opponent is going to cause you a problem. Because um, I think specialist kills are really important in this one. If you can, if your opponent is playing an army that doesn't have much camouflage or hidden deployment or um, AD, and you can see their specialists that are going to be pushing buttons, obviously look for the hackers, kill those things. Kill them turn one before they even get a chance to push the button. Because if they're relying on their engineer or the Whip 12 Doctor, and you're probably golden because they might not get it in one turn. Waiting to, for turn three to push their buttons, you've probably already won. I, I'd i be looking at um, 
and then on your side, you're probably actually looking not to give away too many of your own specialists. So I'd be looking at you know, you know, camel, camel HD, ED, or durable specialists that can reliably push more than one button. Because in my in my last turn on Sunday, I had a shrouded hacker that went and pushed, went moved up, um, pushed the button in the middle, pushed the button on their side, and died. Yep. It's fine. There's a hacker, two thousand sixteens, pushed two buttons reliably, then went down. They he couldn't respond to that. Um, I lost a specialist, but we were there, I think at that point tied on specialists, so I was happy with it. Um, if he went and tried to push buttons back, I have a potential chance of killing their specialist as they push buttons. So it's it's actually a win win for me. Because if I kill their specialist while they push a button, they, they might swing it towards them but they're going to swing it back away from them because they've lost a specialist yeah um it's it's yeah i really like this mission um, basically the bottom line is push more buttons and kill their specialists is how i look at this one but then the you've got are, three classified objectives and you can't discount that oh you can't because i think uh what did i put down here so push the same number of buttons um Get your classifieds and kill specialists. You can keep the game closer, even when by getting all. Uh, yeah, this is this is actually quite interesting. You can get you can keep the game closer, even when if you just get all the classifieds and kill more specialists and shoot their HVT. Because that's three for classifieds, two for specialists, one for the HVT or one for the designated target. That's six points. It's six six points, points without even pushing that. a button. Yeah. Oh but my if god! Opponent, this mission, it's, like, there's so many different ways it can go. It's crazy. If your opponent pushes more buttons than you and gets two classifieds, that's six all. That's right. If they get their HVT, uh, the designated target at seven, at seven six. So four points for pushing more buttons is primary. Like yep. you can still you can still eke out a, a win. You push the same number of buttons. If you go three three all or two all or four all, whatever the hell it is, I think your primary goal should be push more buttons and then. That's that's what you want to do. Cool. Um, well, I think that just cool. about covers it in terms of the five missions that, uh, for the day. Maybe we can yeah. have a bit of bit of a chat about our, our general thoughts. Um, Ooh, okay. I've I've never seen a mission lineup where more than this where I wanted to be able to take three lists rather than just two. Uh it's it's killing me, man. It's killing me. I I want to take. Uh, aggressive punchy list deal with um missions like maybe rescue maybe caught a comm center as well i can i can see myself running something aggressive for that but then i end up having to put all of my eggs to my second list to achieve um you know countermeasures and supplies and supremacy and they don't all gel that well together because now, countermeasures you want a good spread of specialists whereas supplies supremacy and comm center you kind of want a more concentrated type of specialist you want your hacker you want your paramedic and then yeah oh, it's fucking it's hard it's, yeah yeah it's, it's difficult how have you done have you worked out a split yet i mean i think you said before your splits the, like yeah yeah Supplies and supremacy are together, obviously, in my opinion, um, because it, the, there's no exclusion zone. So straight mm -hmm. up, you can you can go he more heavily into midfield presence. 
Um, pair, I would pair. I would. I would put a third one in that list, which is rescue. Mm. Because while you do need specialists in supplies and supremacy, you don't need to have a whole big spread of specialists like you do in countermeasures. Okay. And yep. I would also consider that you would need a spread of specialists in comm center as well because you've got three classifieds and you don't know what those classifieds are going to be. That's a good point. Yeah. So specialists. So that's so that I so the 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 even though um there's more midfield stuff in the supremacy in the um uh supremacy supplies uh list which does not pair well with the with the uh exclusion zone in rescue i'd still put those together because i feel like you're still kind of doing the same things it's similar to supplies in that you're trying to stop your opponent from retrieving something and uh so that's 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 the that's the split that i'm going with com center and is the same list as uh, countermeasures, and then the other three have the other list. I think that seems like the the obvious split. My thing about com center and um, and um, uh, classifieds is you get to pick those classifieds a little bit more than you do in countermeasures. So you you draw that's, two. That's true. I do go. Oh, I'll take that one. You might get two and go, oh, I can't do either of these. Ugh. You've got more control over you than you do in um, countermeasures, where it's just whatever's there, that's it. Yeah, um, that's true. I think think you can. And you can still secure the HVT as well. You can always, if you do get a bum draw in comm center, you can always secure the HVT to swap out one you of can't. your... In comm center. Oh, because there are HVTs designated target. Oh, shit. Yeah, never mind. No, you can't. Yeah, no, no, yeah. you're right. So, yeah, yeah, never mind. So I, th I think you've got, like, just from my experience of playing comm center, um, you know, if you've got characters, right, if you've got veterans, leech in a command, right, they can do, I think, six. If you've got hackers, they can do another six. Remove the HVT classifies from there. That's, oh, I guess some of them are HVT related. Anyway, I reckon between having hackers and characters, or at least the veteran classifieds, I reckon you you'll be well suited to do, you know, two two out of three of those. You might need a doctor, uh, which I guess is where you can put comm center and parent measures in a similar bucket. Um, but I think it's, yeah, I don't know. I the split I've done is a bit different. The split I've gone for, I think. Ugh, I'm not quite sure about it yet, but I'm looking at parent measures. Supremacy and supplies, then rescue and bomb center. Then maybe, maybe also putting supremacy into that kind of floating bucket. Um, reason for that is because supremacy and comm center both need hackers. Lots of hack, well, not lots of hackers, but you, you need a couple, you need two to three hackers, I reckon. Um, and uh, whereas if you've got a, a smorgasbord of um, specialists for countermeasures, they'll both plug into supplies and supremacy just fine. Uh, yes, there is an exclusion zone in countermeasures, 
you can still get four inches out of it, and I think that's still fine. Um, I, I, I'll, I'll take that hit because I feel like rescue and counter rescue and comp center. I can run harder, I can push a harder, more aggressive list in that mission because comp center. If I've got infiltrating specialists that are right next to the button or hackers, that's one order each to push a button. Be two, so it's like three, three to four orders to push a button. The rest of the orders can be used on killing whatever the fuck I need to kill. Rescue, again, I don't need specialists, so I'm going to be using my forward deploying, well, whatever forward deploying elements I've got to defend my own civilians. I push up with Speculos or, or um, Jeskin or a Sphinx, trying to kill as much of my opponent as I, as I possibly can. So then on round three, I push whatever buttons I haven't already pushed, or I grab the civilians that I haven't already grabbed. That's, that's how I'm going at the moment, but it's subject to change because I think supplies can also be played that way too. Um, and so can supremacy, actually. So, yeah, it's... I don't like it. I, I just don't, <laughs> I don't know. Like I, don't, I don't know what to think. I just, like, even following this conversation beforehand, I thought I was secure in what my lists are looking like but mm. now i'm like looking at it further i'm like no maybe i do need to put in a drop troop in 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 those lists maybe i do need to put a specialist here or, or there um yeah, it's i i, I, yeah, I just I can't like, i just keep i'm continually second guessing myself and i hate it <laughs> yeah this, this is like for for brezcon a few months ago i was like easy right no problem i've got this list split no problem at all you know put the Objective missions together and put the other missions together and then like maybe decap can be either mission. Easy. This one, not easy. Um I think that that's testament to Gavin for choosing them. Um because like if you go for a shooty, if you go for one of your lists is a shooty list, I feel like your don't your second list can't cover all of the specialist bases in the way that you want to. Like you're lacking in some areas. Then if you're trying to make two lists that are quite specialist heavy, like you know, one will do type of specialist, one will do the other, then you might be lacking in your offensive capabilities. So you're kind of being um being your your yeah, the missions are hamstringing you a bit. Um which actually then leads to my question then of what what army do you think could do this lineup really well? None. <laughs> None. None of them. No, I mean, like, there's the obvious choice of Shaz Vasti. They they uh, have any anything that's got impersonators, right? Shaz Vasti. I would say even more so than than the hack factions. Um, well, combined art, like vanilla combined. Vanilla combined. Right, let's just yeah, vanilla combined. Can, can absolutely do these missions. Um, like I mean, just like let's just talk about vanilla combined for a second because because. You you have in vanilla combined hacking powerhouse, and not just hackers that are like good quality hackers. You have like durable hackers. You got the anathematic, got the coronted. Right, there are two wounds, no wounding cap, armor five, big BS. You know, amazing right specialists that can gunfight. Um, you know they can do the missions. Right. They can do a whole bunch of stuff for countermeasures. They can do a whole bunch of stuff for um, comm center supremacy. Heaps and heaps and stuff. Uh, they can they can do all those. And then you still have your lower grade, you know, your um, one wound hackers, your your uh, bet and kiss, 
Victor Messer, um, Shrouded, any of those guys, they're really good. Uh, the the Umbras, fuck me, like um, um, what's his face, Orcus, right? He's great in countermeasures. Crap, like you can do Predator. He's a character. He's a hacker. Um, they're yeah, they've got no shortage of great pieces that can do this mission. And they've got the warbands to back it up. You know, they've got Tigers and Gakis and Tarazzi. They've got smoke. Um, they they can they've done a bunch of stuff that can make rescue really difficult. Um, yeah, wow, like look, that. Look, I mean, vanilla combined are S tier for a reason. Yeah, right. Right. Yeah. See the previous episode. Yeah. Um, and then and then I think Hack Islam was mentioned as well. Uh, again, for the same reason, right? They've got um, incredible impersonators. They've got incredible doctors. Hacking isn't as good, but they've still got some decent hackers that can do the job. Um, they've got a really diverse range of specialists and uh, veterans. Charges. They've got eight. They've got decent AD trippers. They've got. Um, Cheap warbands to 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 ward off um, attacks. They've got jammers and gazies. So again, for something like rescue, um, they can defend against that really well. Um, yeah, they're really good. And then vanilla nom- vanilla nomads for reasons that we've you know, probably are very evident. Um, very good hacking. Very good midfield presence. Again, the fact that there's three of them that have exclusion zones is bad for all armies. Um, it's not too bad for nomads because they can still put crazy koalas out around the um, around the civilians. Yeah, um, I'd say, I mean, I, yeah, considering that part as well, I'd say that armies that don't necessarily rely on a lot of midfield stuff are at a bit of an advantage. Mm, yeah okay because yeah, they don't they... have they don't have to worry about the exclusion zone necessarily because it's not something they're worried about anyway um maybe what know, you were man. saying before about having about taking um units that you don't normally consider yep that may be something that like pano players might be like well let's take this unit anyway because it's uh it's a swiss guard swiss guard hacker right it's already in your dz it's in your dz from the start you lose four inches of deployment you get a two wound heavy infantry with amazing gun fighting potential and amazing hacking potential. That could see really good use in this in this this mission lineup as well. So there's yeah. Even Ar- even Ariadna could do pretty well in this mission lineup. Because because of mobility. That's right. Um well you've got at least two missions where you need to be mobile. Um, even the mobility of, even in, I'd argue, um, I'd argue all of them, all of them you need, you need mobility. Oh yeah, sure. But like, yeah, I guess su- supplies and, and, um, rescue are actually like proper retrieval missions. Um, yeah. but then you've got things like a comm center, right? If you've got a specialist on a motorbike, who's, it's going to take you a lot less orders to speed up to your opponent's side and take their buttons than yeah. one that's one that's not. Supremacy involves you getting into your opponent's easy countermeasures because of the exclusion zone means you need to get to at least the midfield to in, engage with their HVTs to accomplish classifieds. Like, you've got to be able to move up, um, possibly under smoke. So Ariadna are great for that. Um, 
specialists maybe aren't as um, desirable as like combined, but you don't always need specialists, right, for doing classifieds. You just sometimes need That's true. the veteran or the guy with the D charges. Germandino, for example, is a great example is a great unit in, in Ariadna because it's a, it's an engineer and it's got D charges. So um armies that we think will struggle, I think are the same armies that'll probably be, be in the C and D tier of uh your, uh the list that you made with Rob. <laughs> um I actually do believe that Druze can do countermeasures really well because they've got lots of medium infantry that are veterans. Yeah, that's true. Um, it can do a lot of stuff. But, um, yeah, I mean, in, in terms in terms of in terms of specific armies that are going to be good and bad, like it's just such a mix. It's all over the place, and it's. I think I can't see any faction having an easy time coming up with what their lists are going to look like. It really bugs me when I see, when I hear somebody being really like, really confident. Like, oh yeah, no, I just, you know, just made a, I just made a list. It's fine. You know, it's just it's a list I use for everything. I'm like, fuck you. You can't do that. Don't tell me it's a good list. <laughs> I'm sitting here like pulling my hair out, ripping up pieces of paper, throwing them in the bin. No, that's just terrible. That's a terrible. I can't figure out what I'm going to do. Wish I had, wish I had an extra hundred points. Um, the, you know, third list. Um, yeah, it's the split still it's, got it's, me. It's, yeah, that, I know. That, I agree. I agree. The fact that like two weeks out, or what we are two weeks out, three weeks out, I, I still don't even know how I'm going to split my two lists up is worrying me. And not to mention the fact that we're going to New South Wales, where the terrain is apparently way less dense. And I mean, even that, even that aside. There's 80 players, and we know that there might be a terrain shortage. There may be a, not a terrain shortage, but there may be some, um, maybe a, a stretch on terrain. That worries me as a, as a player. Um, not, not, and, not from and, like and, enjoyment. And yet you keep complaining about my open table that I brought on the weekend. I know, but that's just a, that was just a, that wasn't an open table. It was just a bad table. <laughs> you think, you think we're not going to have bad tables at Novacore? Well, I think if Gavin Bateman is setting them up, he's gonna at least make them so that they're not bad. They might be might be a bit open, but they'll be anyway, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna complain too much because they'll feel my bias, but I know, you know I know I know I know the the man can work wonders, but uh perfectly balancing forty tables is a big yeah. ask. I mean, like balancing you know, thirty tables I'd be happy happy. <laughs> As long as, as long as they're not the ones you have to play on, right? You only have to, you have, in... of all the, of the 40 tables, we only have to play on five of them. So Look, I went to Briz, I went to Brizcon and there were, uh, there were two tables that were, well, there was one table that was horrendously open. I smashed my opponent on it. So I'm, it's fine. As long as I've got the right list. That's the thing, right? That's the other thing, right? We're talking about splitting them on mission. Do we split them? On table. Well, I mean, the, the two lists that I'm sitting on at the moment can, they, they do have the ability to achieve every mission. There's no mission that if I'm like, if I take this list, I'm screwed. Um, even countermeasures, both of them could do countermeasures. Uh, so I am almost leaning towards basing my decisions on what the tables look like on the day. Okay. 
almost almost i'm not going to commit that not really um i don't want to give away all my secrets um no here's me talking about the sphinx i'm not running a sphinx uh (laughs) (laughs) um but one of them has more deployment zone aggression and the other one has a bit of deployment zone aggression and more sneaky pieces so on a on an open table i could take the deployment zone aggression charge in with my big guns on a more closed table i could take the sneaky list and um uh cut corners a bit more okay yeah but well i think i think we can maybe pass this on to our um listeners maybe they can let us know how they split the lists um let us know let us know if you're having a harder as hard of a time at this as we are because we are having a real hard time yeah it's uh it's no no joke Um, and the fact that we've got to defend our honor on round one as well that's right we're uh with uh transmission matrix have thrown down the gauntlet i've bought a t-shirt kev you've bought a t-shirt a t-shirt yeah oh actually yeah quick plug for that if you guys want to land yourself a limited edition um over core 2022 loss of lieutenant versus transmission matrix t-shirt get on down to our facebook page i think and also transmission matrix facebook page eight dollars for a t-shirt eight dollars for a hoodie they look really nice they're they're they, they've, they've done a good job i think i think it looks great i, I bought the, post, a good I bought job the of a podcast but they can do a great job of a shirt so oh um, I bought the poster as well, so. Oh, that's cute. Yeah. yeah. Okay, that's nice. You can put that behind your. Behind I will. That white I'll put. I'll put it in this big white empty space. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. When we find out who wins. Yeah. Cool. Well, I think uh, we might wrap it up there. Kev. Um, we've been we've been rabbiting on for long enough. Uh, but yeah, we're. I mean, we we might sound a little bit worried, but we're still super keen for uh for Novacore. So I'm, um yeah I'm very I'm I'm very keen. I'm gonna spend the next two weeks in mindsight in WA just just theory just theory crafting. Theory crafting. I might even try and get a game on TTS so just to Whoa. try to get myself some games in um I can hone my lists to a fine key uh and then still do terribly with them. But <laughs> have fun um, i'm looking forward to it all right well uh thanks for coming on this evening kev thanks to our uh patrons who have uh, uh sat through uh, the live show as well and uh I-, I apologize to everyone again for blowing my nose <laughs> <laughs> uh repeatedly but um these things happen uh if you want to become a patron jump on to patreon dot com slash lost lieutenant and you can support us over there but uh i've been your... one of our loyal cocks that's right Uh, I've been your host, Nick. I've been the other host, Kevin. You've been listening to Lost Lieutenant. Night. Are we done?